This podcast is being recorded live in the Urban Fly Company studios. And we are back for another week of the SVS Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Thompson. Across the table, we have Mark Burns from Urban Fly Company. To my left, running the board tonight, Chris Sims. And uh, we have uh, got all the kinks out now, Chris, don't we? I think we do. I think we do. So we want to apologize for the... For the audio it, skips yeah, it was, in it was, the past two episodes. Mark, or it was all of ours' fault. So we're going to blame it on Mark, though. He should have known better. The one sitting on the opposite side of the yeah. computer has far, no idea if the away, screen's yeah. on or off. As far away <laughs> of the computer, we're going to blame it on you. Uh, Thanks. In our uh, guest host seat tonight, we have Jim Franklin. And uh, here's what to expect to hear on tonight's podcast. Um, Chris is going to revisit some Mex- Mexico stories that got cut out. Um, I took a little walk in the woods, uh, caught some brook trout, <coughs> fly fishing for dummies tonight. Um, we're going to do a little intro to, uh, some musky fishing, things you might need if you're going to just step into the sport. Um, and we'll take a break and we will be having our first guest, uh, to the podcast since we've been back. We'll have Josh Meltzer on tonight from Musky Fool. I uh, can't wait to have him on. Uh, he just had a movie come out or a little, you know, YouTube movie, whatever you want to call it, uh, half an hour of awesomeness. It was pretty cool. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, we'll get to recap the beast through his eyes. Jim, who's with us tonight, he uh, he was on Josh's team, so it should be good to get those two, you know, chumming it up about the stories that they had. Oh, yeah, good times, good times. So uh, other things, we'll, we'll go to another break after that. And other things we're going to mention is we had an online tying night with the Muskie Fool guys the other night. Had a great time on there for a couple hours. Um, our new Facebook page, uh, the FT3s in Franklin. We're going to be uh, hosting a show. I won't say we are going to be. I, I will be there just hanging out and watching the festivities and taking part. But uh, Chris over here, he's going to be putting it all together. Yeah, I'll, I'll get my plugs in later. Okay, sounds great. <laughs> Uh, we're going to do boat storage talk with Chris and, uh, I got some other stupid stories, uh, just dumb things I did drunk as hell after tying night a couple months ago we had or a month ago. And, uh, Mark's going to be at the international angler coming up this week. So we'll talk about that a little bit too. Uh, we might get into a little bit of sports like we did last week. Uh, Mark's not very happy camping right now. Um, but while he's over there crying the blues, uh, we'll take that out on our, on my Airing of grievance. Okay. Yeah, we'll take that out then. <laughs> but this week we're brought to you by uh, Sims Fishing. Check out their new 23 lineup. They got the new boots out. They got the new G3 waders. Yeti, they got a 20% off purple rain deal ending here. So they got the purple gear 20% off ending soon. Also, check out A-Rex Hooks, Fresh and Saltwater. They got them both for you. And Cortland Lines, their new musky lines are something to check out. We love them and definitely something for you to go give a shot on. Uh, friends of the show, we got Ryan Evans from Queen City Guiding, Michael Davis from Down to Earth Wealth Management, and Thomas Schenk from Chippewa River Custom Rods. You know one, too? Your hat. We, we got a got new that, one. Well, we just got that mentioned in about Muskie Fool and how them guys. Right on, Muskie Fool, get friend of the show. All of our, you know. Absolutely. We're buying all of our stuff from them. I mean, they got dang near anything you need anymore. Yeah, I'm trying we're to stocking that shop up. Ridiculous. Yeah, uh, on that new video that came out today with Keys, uh, Michael Keys Fishing, they they did a quick glimpse of the Musky Fool store, and it looks mm-hmm. fantastic. Really nice. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't been able to be there in person, but now I have to go. Yeah, but this hat I'm trying to turn into my lucky hat. Trying. So you've, <laughs> you've got Musky on the fly, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. 
I didn't oh, know yeah. you were trying to. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I was, I we, haven't, we haven't visited any of those stories just yet, so. They're not, an, I was they're say, not enough. We've got we to gotta start <laughs> adding more to it. So you want to uh, get into some of your Mexico stories? I, I, we at least got to hear the big fish and how good a great time you had with your dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of that got caught off last time, so if I repeat something, oh well, I'm going to repeat it. A lot fine. of us are used to. Yeah. Give you a few more drinks and you repeat every story you, you've ever lived in your life. Uh, that hurts me. Uh, and I won't remember which ones I told you. So no, you're, you're telling get them the next all day. multiple times. Yeah, you'll be telling them to us the rest of the weekend. That was my that was my first interaction with you was, here's some stories, and then the same stories <laughs> again the next day. Oh, that's so great. We all said, man, could not get a word in edgewise with Chris last night? Nope. Just let him go. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was great. For, the next morning was not so great for oh, me. Oh, that next morning, the ride in, we're going up the hill. I'm like, Chris, you good? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually I'm doing good. We go up, make our turn. We go down about a mile, and he just looks at me with, like, death in his eyes. I'm not so good anymore. I'm actually, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not at all. I'm not good at all. I'm, I'm actually really bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Good start to the morning. We got to go in here. And the funny part is I'm just chuckling because I'd been through this a couple times, and you see me now with the beast. I bring a case of beer, and I bring home like 24 of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had them mornings, and I was like, uh-uh, I'm done. I'm gonna, I'm fishing hard this, this year. Yeah, I, I learned my lesson. I did, I did well this year. Yeah, I, we I, all I did kept, well this we year. We all kept ourselves pretty tame-ish. Yeah, <laughs> Jay shaking his hand back here. <laughs> <laughs> I think Bam Bam might argue with that later. Oh boy, Bam hitting that Malort. Oh, oh man, I don't know how you. I can't. I can't do it. He he loves, his, he his, his his stomach has to be just lined with battery. Oh acid. yeah, yeah. It's iron class. <laughs> and absolutely no taste buds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever hits there, it's like going through ether. Yeah. I think after if you can get past five, I think it doesn't really matter anymore. You just don't taste anything after yeah, that. that. That stuff, it's not like that though. No. It's like anything you drink. Once you get past a certain point, it's like okay, it's it's it. It, it's tolerable. That gets worse every single it sip. Absolutely, go away I can either. be hammered and take a shot of Malort. I'm like, all right, night's over. Yeah. That was <laughs> that was it. I don't want anything else. That was absolutely terrible. Yeah. So, uh, so Mexico. I think uh, I got. I cut us off when I was just talking about the village. 260 people in this little village, and it was it was cool. It was awesome. Uh, was there like a village idiot, like a person they told you make sure you stay away from that guy? No. Uh, everybody was super <laughs> friendly, except like there were a couple guys you could you could see, and you're like, you don't live here. Mm-hmm. And they're wearing like an expensive sweatsuit, and they're driving. Like everybody was driving old Toyotas, like the Hilux. And, the good ones. Yeah, but they're old and beat up. These guys are in BMWs, in track suits. Always on their cell phones. And I'm like, I think I know what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Someone got oil money. I <laughs> will avoid them because that's cocaine money. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going around that. Now, are that like, are, in the cartel. Are they like canals after dark? Are they known for that like in other countries? Yeah. Uh, so that, that main highway, we came down to get to that little village. It's like, it's like two hours south of the Zuatneo, which is where all the resorts are. And like an hour and a half from the airport, which is Ixtapa. And uh, it's called the Narco Highway. And I mean, to and from, we saw convoys of military, like in straight up 
riot gear. Well, he's just patrolled well then. Yeah, flak jackets, uh, full face masks. Uh, it looked like uh, they were HK G5s, which are pretty serious firearms. Impressive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, but everything was fine. Safe. We were safe as can be. We stayed in a little hotel. There was a there was a room for each like group. Like my dad and I had our own room. Uh, Tim had his own room. And so did Joseph, but the Hermanson's brothers uh, shared a room as well. But it was 85, 90 degrees, and they kept those rooms at 60 degrees with the air nice. conditioning. Nice. That felt good for you. Heaven. Dude, we come in off the water, and I'm just... Because you can't shower in the morning because there's no nobody there has hot water heaters. Right? So there's there's no such thing as a hot water heater in this town. So they collect so all... sun heat at the middle end of the day. Yeah. So they collect all their water... During the rainy season, which is uh, not when we were there. <laughs> and they have these huge containers on their roofs, collect all the water. When it gets filled, they cap it off. And that's what they do everything with. So you don't drink it because, duh. Uh, and then it's only hot at the end of the day after it's had a chance to heat up. So you don't shower in the morning because it's not hot at all. Uh, so we'd all, we'd all shower when we get back. Uh, now as a, as a caveat, they ship ice in every day to this town. So there's some sort of facility a couple miles away that purifies the water and creates ice. Nice. So you can, you can have ice without a problem, but, uh, it was, it was awesome. We, we hit the water every day at 7am. We'd go about eight miles offshore and we, they would throw two baits out and they, and they'd rig these, I don't know, I'm going to call them mullet cause I don't know what they were. With chin weights, so one would be about six inches underwater, and the other one's on the surface with like a almost like a planer board, but it's a an, an attractant rig. And we just troll. We troll and wait and troll and wait and wait for fish to come in. And ideally, when we went there, uh, Borski said you're going to get five to seven shots a day at sailfish, which is pretty enticing. I didn't have five to seven shots at sailfish all week. Tim. Didn't have five to seven shots at sailfish all day. No, no boat did, or all week. It was just tough. And we were there during the right tides and the right moons. It's just the one thing they told us that can mess those fish up and they won't eat is we're right off of a fault line. And if there's any seismic activity, those fish just shut down for a week. So we're guessing there was something, but we don't know. All week there were two sailfish landed. Uh... Tom. Tom Hermanson caught one and Joseph Borsky caught one. Dad and I never really had a shot. Dad had one shot uh, and I won't say that he farmed the hook set because that would not be fair, but I think that's what happened. But he farmed the hook set. Yeah, he yeah. farmed the hook set. And, uh, Mark will say it. You don't have to say it. He caught two Dorado earlier in the week, which we ate, and I didn't catch mine until Friday. You know, we come off the water at two thirty, three o'clock. I didn't catch my fish until one thirty Friday, our last day. So I'm just sitting in the back right of the boat. till the end. Yeah, waiting and waiting and waiting. And the average, the average Dorado there is ten to fifteen pounds, which is a a nice fish. We're fishing, you know, on twelve weights for fifty, sixty, seventy pound sailfish, or the occasional blue marlin, which showed up this week. I was texting with Tim and Joseph, and uh, they had a shot at a blue marlin, which would be cool. <coughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. So uh, I didn't catch anything until Friday when, and earlier in the day. The, the seas got real calm, 
and I watched a Dorado from 200 yards away push water across the ocean to come into our baits. And it was just a drive-by. Like, he grabbed a bait and just kept going. Like, he never turned. We could never get him to the transom to get a cast off at him. And that was disheartening. And then at 1.30, that one came in, banged the baits. We brought him in. I got a cast out, two of them, and whammy. And he hit. And they hit on, like, a 90-degree. And it was, they don't, like, come up and slurp it. Came in and T-boned it. Took off, and I'm like, all right, that's a nice fish. And then it jumped. By this time, your dad had already caught a couple, though. Yeah, dad had caught two. Okay. My, my 81-year-old dad had, was definitely out fishing me, which he should. See, so you're feeling a little down. Dad already caught two. You ain't caught shit yet. Yeah, and I mean, I hadn't had a tug. Like, I'd ever had a chance at a hook set mm-hmm. all week. And so I was, I wasn't feeling down because I'm sitting on the back of a boat sure, in sure. Mexico sure. in 85-degree weather so life was good yeah who could be mad right but it could have been better (laughs) (laughs) and uh so this thing jumps up in the air and it looks like a neon sign and it was humongous and 45 minutes of a fight you know it did a couple big runs and then it would jump a couple times and i got video of my dad's fish but my dad picked up my gopro and he's just staring at it and i said just use your phone old man don't don't worry about trying to figure out the gopro just start taking pictures and uh, he got a couple pictures of it, uh, nothing in the air, but a couple in the water, and it's beautiful fish. We get it in, uh, and when we land it, the guide, his name was Lalo, but uh, the local guides called him Cochete, which is Spanish for cheeks, because he had these big old chubby cheeks. <laughs> that was pretty <laughs> funny. But he he was going nuts, and I don't, I've never caught a Dorado. I don't know, like, is 100 pounds big? is 20 pounds big how big is this fish and your dads were 10 15 so i mean what are good sized fish and you'd I, you know all of us would be happy with i'm sure absolutely in the, in a fly rod and they, they fought great on a fly rod even sure. a, even a 12 rate 12 weight he was you know 15 20 minute fight and uh we get this in and he's going nuts he's like i need picture picture so we get over and we take some pictures and he shows me his whatsapp and he sent it to like 30 40 different people and I'm like, this might be a, a pretty big fish. So I, it, I mean, he brained it right away when it came in. So it lost all its color, and we got some pictures, put it in the cooler, and I, my dad's up, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to measure that. So we get it out, and uh, I, I measure it. I measure it lengthways. I measure its girth, and I was like, I'm going to see how much that thing would weigh. So we use the uh, game fish, uh girth times girth times length divided by 800 and it said it weighed about 50 pounds and i was like oh cool so we get back and i'm like i want to weigh this and it clocked in at like 51.93 pounds that's ridiculous like i was telling you like one of the trips i did out we caught i think it was 80 some we had like the whole my my family my cousin's family and them all averaged they were small we went from four different schools biggest one might have been like 12 15 pounds Mm -hmm. then we went out for trolling We'd hooked a marlin. We got a wahoo. I got a 27-pounder. We hooked a couple other ones that were in the 20s. I mean, a 50-some pound fish, that's freaking huge. I mean, we got dang near 100 that day and never got one over 27 pounds. Yeah, I I didn't know at the time, but looking – so that night, I'm like, I'm going to go on IGFA and just check this out. So the world, so the IGFA record on 16-pound test is 57 pounds. No, I wouldn't have – I wouldn't have 
qualified because we didn't stop the boat and put it in neutral. And but you were using sixteen. No, that's <laughs> I was using sixty. Okay, because <laughs> we we said like like look, what we're gonna do is we're gonna get our first fish. You know, bang your first sailfish on Monday. That was, this was the plan. Bang your first sailfish Monday on 60 to 100 pound shock tip it. Change your gear. And then once you get it, we're going to go IGFA. We're going to go 16. We're going to go 20. If you want to, you can go 12. But so that was the goal. But since nobody was catching anything, we just, we just left those rigs on. But it was awesome. I gave the fish to the guide and said, hey, give this to the village because the village is, you know, tons of poverty. Uh, and it should feed 12 to 15 families that night. So that, that felt good. You know, I hate, I hate killing, a a wild knox not stout fish, but if I know it's going to go to a good place, I'm okay with that. You had, um, mentioned, I remember on the last stories, um, going out and doing some sightseeing, uh, I think it was with the Borskis, right? Oh yeah. With the Borsk, that's their jam. Yeah. Is, talk a little bit about that. Cause that was really interesting and. Um, I don't know if you want to tell all your secrets, uh, or, you know, how, you know, you mean the UFO? Yeah. And how you've been <laughs> probed before. Um, but you know, get into that a little bit. I, I think that was pretty interesting. Yeah. So, so, you know, Tim Borsky is an artist and a fly tire, but right now one of his main passions and his son as well is uh, herpetology and they love bugs too. So at the hotel, they set up these big white sheets across the wall of the hotel and they've got these UVA B lights shining against the wall at night. So the, so then the moths come in and all these bugs and they catalog these bugs. So the one night there was like six different types of praying mantis and down there they have all different wings. So are you a buggy guy? I I don't hate bugs, but I'm not like, man, those bugs are cool. (laughs) (laughs) But when I see different bugs, they're cool. Sure. But like there were praying mantis that looked like they have an oak leaf on their back and mm. some that are look like sticks. And so that was, that was neat. But we, we would draw it. We, I went twice and we would go look for snakes and wild cats and we didn't see any wild cats. And, uh, it wasn't until the second night that we saw a snake, but we run this road back and forth and back and forth. And at the one end of it is this beautiful beach. And we'd stop and we'd, we'd look up at the stars and Joseph came over and he goes, hey, you want to see a UFO? And I went, no. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Preferably. <laughs> there, are, there are a few things on earth that terrify me. One, bees. Two, creepy spiders. Three, aliens. And he goes, well, I'm going to show you. Okay, let's check it out. So we, you look up at the sky and there's no light pollution at all down there so you can see every constellation i mean we you could literally see the milky way and he's like look over at orion and just stare at it so we'd stare at orion and he goes anytime now you're going to see one star move and i was like yeah it's a satellite and he goes watch so we're staring at orion and sure enough i saw one star move and then it split and then one piece of the star would go north and then another piece of the star would go south and we'd watch those and it had split again. And uh, that's when I said, I'm done. We need to get in the car and go home. I'm generally <laughs> uncomfortable with this. And there are different reasons for that because 
I don't want to. I don't want to go. We're not going to get that left too deep down the psychological rabbit hole, but aliens terrify me. But it, I mean, regardless. What's with the bees? It was cool. I, I hate being stung by bees. I'm not allergic. I mean, I, I don't like bees either, but I mean, it's not. If like a bee comes home. after him, you're probably going to get a few of them by the time you get away from the rest yeah, of them. Absolutely. <laughs> and I never just get stung once. Like, we were. We were at my buddy's camp this summer. Wouldn't have anything to do with speed, huh? I don't see how that's relevant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stuck, guys. They're all saying to me. Everybody that's around Chris is like, all you got to do is run faster than him. Yeah, and you're good. You don't He's have to outrun stung. the bees. Yeah. Outrun Sims. Yeah. Oh, but my, like this summer, my kid, there was a wasp nest above the door. And I was like, buddy, don't slam the door. There's a bunch of wa- there's a wasp nest up there. And he's like, What? Whammy slams that door, and I hear the all these wasps come out. So I grab him up and give him a bear bear hug, and I take off running. So I didn't want him to get tagged. I got tagged like seven times, like three in the neck, four in the back. It was it was not. But they, I hate being stung. Something (laughs) so small should not hurt that much. And I don't mind bees, like the bees that give me honey, but it's the bees that don't do anything. They're just there to sting you and scare you. Just I'm sure. Your yeah. Yellow jackets. Yellow, yeah. Wasp horns. Wasp. Yeah. yeah. Fuck bees. Yeah. Oh, oh them ground ones. <laughs> ones <laughs> or <laughs> out there mowing and That's then right. wham, they hit you. But, uh, that, Punch that, bees in the face. That was Mexico. Mexico was awesome. Uh, like I said last time, go. I mean, that, that entire trip was less than two grand, not including flights. And that included breakfast, lunch, our snack, after we came off the water, which was like three enchiladas or tacos or something, and then at dinner, it was it was great. Yeah, so you you were loving that. Yeah, uh, my dad, we, we'd hit that three o'clock snack, and my dad would go, no, 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 and I would look at her and I'd go, see, 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 see. So she'd bring me his snack. You give me his. Yeah, because I sweat on that boat. Like I would sweat. I don't know, fifteen, twenty pounds away. I would like to put that back with burritos. You would sweat a J. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Uh, that's great. How so can yeah, I refill this Mexico is sweet. Cool. Um, we'll get in. Uh, I took a little walk in the woods. Yeah. We get to that for just a second. Uh, have been trying to get out. You know, didn't get out last weekend. Wanting to get out fishing. Uh, just figured I'd take a walk in the woods and got a hold of my buddy Devin. You guys have all met. <clears throat> he said he wanted to go fishing. He introduced me to a you know a nice little spot to go to. So I went you know you know give back a little, and so him and I went and took a nice uh, nice little jaunt. Um, place we go to frequently, not frequently. I would say I go there twice a year, <laughs> but you know the only place we you know really go on a consistent basis. And uh, and first little hole we walk down. He gets here early. We walk down first hole and i mean I, he fished for a little while fished for a little while and didn't get anything and i gotta try this is a you know this hole's it's pretty nice little size for being a piss trickle and you know <laughs> <laughs> throw one little hopper dropper you know has big big you know hopper and little uh little green caddis nymph you know type deal and just come through and i catch a little tiny one but gotta be like at two inches like, no, I know there's something else in here. There's something else in here for sure. And I, so I fish it across and fish it back to myself, you know, a little bit. And as soon as I start getting out 
further away from even the deeper water. He must have been laying out there, man, because he comes up and just, I could see a top little fin come out, and he sharks out and just smashes this hopper awesome. on top water. And I'm like, oh, 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 God. You know? <laughs> like, Curved that morning, too. I'm like, don't come off, don't come off. And the water was so clear. I mean, you could see everything. And I wouldn't, if the water was darker, I'd have probably not been throwing that. But you know what? I'm going to run it. Yeah. If anything, I'm just using the hopper as a inconspicuous, you know, indicator really and uh oh yeah i was i was elated elated first thing off the bat i'm like i'm done like honestly <laughs> like i'm like i'm cool i'm cool for the day you fished the rest of the creek i i, could, a, I couldn't believe that fish came out that thing's huge it was yeah it was really nice size it's the biggest one i think i've caught out of there so i was i was pretty elated and that's, that's not too far from where you live oh, you know, I know exactly where we're at i know exactly where you're at yeah <laughs> not not nothing and nothing creek so it's always and nice getting a pb though yeah, yeah, nice especially out of there. You not know, just I, that. Not, yeah, for that creek. You're fishing a low flow, low water stream at the end of January, and it's not ice. Oh, no. No, there's a like nice amount of water. Last time I was there, there was no creek. <laughs> it was all <laughs> snow. Michael looks at me like, I guess we're not fishing today, are we? Nope. That was the day we got 16 inches. That oh, was Martin was, Luther King Day last year. I literally was like walking into it, and it was up to my knees. Yeah, I remember. We were we were like, going to go. I couldn't have done it fishing. in hip boots. I had to wear waders. It, would, it was over the hip boots. We walked the whole way in there. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, there's a lot of water there. Nice. Big Creek good. had a ton of water. Did you go the whole way up? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. I was... See any more donkeys? Yeah, a couple. We... Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, well, I'll get into that, too. We keep walking up in the next corner, you know, the next corner I let him fish, you know, right away. Didn't get anything out of there. I was surprised at the deep, deep hole now, though, it without is, that but tree I in it. I never get anything out of that corner right there. No, You're me neither. The first one yeah. that jets, yep. it, it looks so perfect. It goes right around. There's that root mm-hmm. knuckle underneath there, mm-hmm. and I've never seen a fish in it. Me neither. Well, no. we used to get, we got a couple out of there when the one actually had the branches in it. Oh, okay. But once they got washed out, and now it's a mm-hmm. lot clearer, and it's just a big, deep trough. I was only over there once or twice with the branches, and it's always been... We walked up further, kept going, and uh, started just banging little fish. You know, little fish, mm-hmm. little fish on nymphs. Um, he ended up getting a couple, and I told you him. You ran sh- the same thing, that green caddison? Mm-hmm, the whole day. And then I told him to switch to a rainbow warrior. He had a couple, and I was like, dude, put one of those on. That's I don't have one any right now, but i got to tie a few. But uh, he had a few, so I told him, put one on. Uh yeah, and then he started just banging them, just one after another. They like that little flashy stuff. You know what my go-to there always is? Zebra midge with silver, like, tinsel. Yeah, that works, It's, like, too. always, yeah. like, my go-to silver tinsel. there. Silver tinsel. That's, that's yeah. what I mean. Or, or a red zebra midge with silver tinsel, and just drop it off like you do. Drop off a hopper yep. or something up there. I like I'm, the, a, I'm a tiny pheasant tail guy right mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. That, that's the fly that I grew up fishing yeah. in that little. Or like a big I like, coachman. I like to put it yeah. like, a, like a big... It, 12 or 10 coachmen to drop it yep. off of to hold it up. I like a pink squirrel, mm-hmm. uh, rainbow yep. rainbow warrior, and uh, also like a, what was it, a um, psycho prince nymph. Right. I'll run any of those. Just bright colors. They're all real flashy. Yeah, like them yep. bookies, they like that. Yeah, they do. They lot. like flashy. Yep, I do. Uh, so my, my pheasant tail for brookies is like a neon green. Mm-hmm. And then that, that, op- that real pearlescent mm-hmm. flash. Mylar. Yep. Yeah, they're yeah, almost they do the mylar. Yeah, they yeah. Eat, it seems like they eat nymphs like browns do streamers. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. So he he likes uh, Devin. Uh, who I went with. He likes running like a leech a lot of times, 
and yeah. he'll he'll run that it was leech. Like a pine squirrel one. Yeah, like just a little small. tiny. Yeah, yeah real itty cool. bitty thing. And uh, he likes stuff nice like that. And I'm probably too clear right now for you know? that. Though. If yeah. that water had a touch of dinge, I'm sure it would be money. But yeah, I think so. But uh, he, I just start. You know, you and me. I'm just pat pat. Pulling him, pulling him, pulling him, pulling him. He's like, oh, I'm going to switch it back up to a good size. <laughs> look. And then he just started, like I said, that's when he put that, you know, pink squirrel on or the rainbow warrior and started just tearing him up. He caught a, he caught a bunch. Nice. What, a size, bunch. what size rod? What length and what weight are you using for those brooks? I have a three weight. Nice. And that's hey. actually a pretty clear, compared to most uh, brook trout streams around here, that one's not as choked down. In my right. opinion, the others, you actually can have a little bit. I would, if, if I was, if I like get the perfect rod for there. I would probably get like a five and a half foot, one or two. A yeah. three's fine. Yeah. I use a seven foot three because that's what I had. Mm-hmm. It's a little long in some spots. You would really, I mean, if you had a five and a half or a six footer, it would be perfect for there. It I have really a would. six foot eight, two weight, which is perfect. Yeah, yeah that's, that's real nice. Sometimes it gets a little long. It'll uh, be fine for there. Especially when humping yeah. it in. Yeah, you Devin know. has it's, its two it, weight. It's, yeah. yeah, it's very like open getting into. Yeah, it's just the problem is, is it's the water so small. Like a lot of the bow and arrow cast, by the time you line it up, you're already reaching the whole way across it. You almost got to like come up over your head and like shoot through the center of a lot mm-hmm. of the spots, and it's tough because it's a little shorter rod would be easier. Yeah, you just can't get too close. That's yeah. It, Devin had like a sweet said, rod. He had a sweet open. little two weight that he got from his grandfather. Oh, no. It seemed to, have, seemed to have, you know, meant a lot to him, and you know, just that was kind of it, stuff. Like I love that kind of nostalgia. Like you're taking your grandfather's rod for a walk. Was he using it to like mean a, something? Still, that's that's pretty cool stuff. That's shorter awesome. or is it a short one or is it a longer one? It was a little shorter, yeah, yeah. to it. Yeah, it was. Yes. Yeah, it was. It was a small rod. Sweet though, it was perfect. You know, keep bent. He caught a couple nice ones after that. I had one other real nice red, big, decent size one. Not as big as the first one I caught, but man, a good size one. He came up. I I saw him. He hit the dry. I could see how red he was. I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. You missed it. And I'm like, oh, you got to do it. Like, uh, uh, that one, that one. And then we kept walking. Ended up catching a bunch more. We got uh, to a real good hole. He, I couldn't do anything in there. And he comes over and just puts it right on this edge and just pulls two right out one after another. And I'm like, man, you son of a gun. <laughs> Gosh, damn it. You know, one of my favorite holes. And then I walked up around the backside of it. And it's a real, the real big deep hole out of there. I've caught a lot of creek chips out of two, and hanging, hanging, boom! I got one, a decent little one. And then uh, we walked up, and I was standing right all the way at the top mark, literally right beside the sign. And I fished one more out right at that posted sign. I was standing there. I mean, you could uh, the posted sign's like right beside me. I shoop, whoop, 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 right down through. I wasn't fishing into the posted area, but right, I mean, right below it. There's one last little hole. Like, I'm going to do one more. Just one more. And to pull in another little guy. So that was a good time. We were walking out. And once it started to, we were walking out, it got a little more warm. And uh, bugs started coming off. And you, uh, the little stones, little black stone flies that come off like now, mm-hmm. they start coming off. And we were watching these fish. There were three of them in this one hole. We could see them. We were standing up on the bank, you know, I mean, up higher. Had a good, had a good vantage point. And you see him come out, just splash and smash one. He goes back into this hole, and he comes back out, and he's swimming around, and he kind of positions himself out there again. And all of a sudden, Devin's like, Devin just couldn't take it. He's like, that fish is feeding right now. I got to go get him. I got to go get him. I'm like, dude, go get him. I'm like, go down there. He went down there and walked right around. First cast, right through. Boom. Caught him on the nymph. Rod him right in. That, I, and that was a, it was that fish. It was a good-sized fish, too. It was another decent one. So he couldn't awesome. take it anymore. We 
just dicked around on the way out a little bit, nothing else. And then we went and got sandwiches at that local market, oh. which is oh, they're fantastic. Tough. Dude, that's the best local market. I get 80% of my meat there. Yeah, sure. And, you yep. know, one day during the week, I'll grab my buddy and be like, let's just go get lunch. Because you, you can get the hamburger platter, which is like a hamburger, a small salad, and a fuck ton of french fries. And it's like five fifty. Five seventy five. My daughter had a sp- her playoff soccer game was up past her. My wife's like, "What do you want to do? I'll make something eat." I'm like, "No, no, no, no. We're stopping at the market on the way." That's right. Every anytime I go by there, like I always stop. Like on the way back from fishing, like when we go up and fishing with you, mm-hmm. stop by and swing. And that place is awesome. Yeah, and every the now pretzel and then pretzel melts too. Oh yeah, oh. my wife, my kid, both got pretzel melts. I do the, uh, I do the turkey, the the big club. Yeah. The one on sourdough, the yes. double, the, the triple decker. Yep. That one's great. Yeah, it's got ham. You got your ham, your turkey, uh, bacon on both sides. I mean, that, it's just a huge. It's the sloppiest thing in the world. You get it in there. I, I'm. It's good. Oh, mine, man. They barely. They don't even make it out of the parking lot. So, ah, oh, I love the. I love that place, and it's just one of those little gems in a little town in the Ab- middle of nowhere. Absolutely, it's fantastic. And uh, every now and then they'll have like. 40 pounds of chicken breast for 40 bucks and and they'll just throw it out on facebook first come first serve or 40 pounds of chicken wings you can follow them on facebook for 40 bucks. Do that. yeah follow them on facebook because they've got deals all the time i went there a couple couple months ago they had uh i can tell you who they are but if you find it follow them yeah. on facebook yeah absolutely <laughs> good luck <laughs> we'll let it well some let it go on our, our, uh, our Facebook page. Yeah, uh, that's right. You know, if they want a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> but every every now and then, they'll have uh, whole uncut New York strip loins for six ninety nine a pound. Mm. And the one time I went there, uh, they were prime, which was a pretty mm. big deal. So it was awesome. So, anything else you want to share with us about your uh, brookie trip? Uh, no, just that my, you know, my wife and when I she knew where I was going, and it goes back to that little market. She goes, uh, "You're bringing back a sandwich, right?" <laughs> so, you know, they got Walnut Creek vanilla peaches there, and like in the jar, my daughter's like, every time I go, stop giving me the peaches. They're so good. No, I, um, and we're at what about six thirty? Yeah, oh, we yeah. are. That's right. We got a call, Bam. Here, no, it's ten to seven our time. Yeah, we'll be uh, we're running, running uh, right about yeah, on. We time. still got a little bit yet here. Yeah, and we're uh, we're thirty five minutes in, so let's take a quick break, and then we'll come by right back with uh, fly fishing for dummies. Sounds good. So we'll talk to you soon. And we're back with Josh Meltzer, Bam Bam Fly Guy, of the Musky Fool Crew. Um, hey, it's great to talk to you again. We haven't talked in well. We actually talked a couple days ago. Yeah, uh, and saw you in in the flesh too. We'll get into that a little bit with our uh, fly tying night we had. But uh, what are we gonna get into first? Let's uh, let's talk some beast of the east. We'll go back a little bit. Uh, we have your buddy Jim Franklin that was on your team across the table. What's going on? Um, you know, tell us a little bit about. You coming to Pennsylvania and fishing some Pennsylvania muskie. Sounds good. Yeah, thanks for having me back, guys. It's always a pleasure to hang out with you guys and shoot the shit for a little bit. So, yeah, this year uh, it was a fun season. I tried to do a couple things that were a little bit out of my comfort zone, like traveling across the country to go fish muskies and meet 
all these people I've corresponded with over the years through Instagram and whatnot. So I thought it was just time to make the trip and uh, compete against the best and the beast of the East. So, uh, yeah, when we got out there, it was like uh, a pretty much a typical fish camp. We were, we kind of all like trickled in on the first day and whatnot, did a little bit of pre-fishing. But the thing that really blew my mind was the the food that you guys cooked up. I've been talking about that ever since. I've never seen anything like it. It's like we had 12 five-star chefs that were all at camp on that trip. So that was that was super special and incredibly memorable. Yeah, we got to watch you shuck your first oyster. Yeah, I was going to say, how often do you get fresh oysters and like that up in Wisconsin? Yeah, sir, that was quite the experience. We we don't get those very often over in the Midwest, unfortunately. To be completely honest, we don't get them very often in uh, northwest Pennsylvania either. No, <laughs> not, not, that fre- not that fresh. It's a rarity. Only when Mr. Eiler graces you guys with his presence. Yeah, and we try to bring Rick up uh, a lot, mostly for the oysters, but we pretty much enjoy his company too, but the oysters. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet you do, Chris. <laughs> yes thank you see it's not just me that was wonderful well played chris's fish boil is just freaking world class though that was just like holy shit like welcome to pennsylvania yeah Here we right. go. yeah that was that was that was the first time we, we as a group did that too and it is now going to be a beast custom you know, every, yeah. every year it was it was awesome. Oh yeah, with the, the glad, fish beast glad oil. To hear it, oh, man. Yeah. yeah, like rolling out there, it's like just zero expectations of catching muskies. Just really wanted to just meet people, check out new water, and just throw every trick in the book I had at them. Well, we're, I'm glad we held up to your expectation. Yeah, we completely <laughs> met that expectation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, I'm just gonna go and say that. I feel like Pennsylvania muskies are the biggest assholes on the face of the earth. <laughs> Nobody in this room will disagree with that. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. They were very shy. They were very shy. But you guys moved a couple, right? Uh, Jimbo moved. Yeah, I moved one fish moved on, one at the end on of day. the first day. Yeah, at the end of the first day, I moved one, and then uh, we watched one chase around a bait fish next to the boat in, like, six inches of water while we were, like, just kind of moseying through to the next spot. Yeah, that was real fun. It was kind of like the, you know, the slap in the face of the of the fishing trip as a whole. So, I mean, when you guys, you guys get three different guys together on a musky boat, one guy's from Wisconsin that has a lot of experience, um, is it... You know, is it you guys just throwing your ideas together and, you know, putting an idea, you know, something together? Or is it, are you following the Pennsylvania guys or the local guys that might know a little bit more? Or how's that all world? Yeah, like uh, the weeks leading up to that trip, I got a little bit of intel from Mark as to what um, those fish are kind of tuned into, what they've had success on over the past couple of years. And just talking with a uh, several guys from out east and just seeing what's popping over there and then try to bring some tactics that are similar to that but then also bring some approaches that are a little bit different and show those fish maybe some some different flies that they're not used to seeing and uh we were using jim's boat he's got this really amazing center console it's about a 16 or 17 footer or something like that whoa 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 19 foot give me my 19 credit. foot give me my, credit. my bad 
19 foot center console. That thing was a, it was fantastic to fish out of. And we kind of let Jimbo just get settled in running, running the boat while we were just getting all of our, uh, our plans of attack dialed in um, when we were pre-fishing the tournament and whatnot. But yeah, we did a really great job for three guys that have never fished together before. Um, we did a great job of taking turns and and really trying different stuff. Like we had one guy maybe throwing some bigger stuff, some other guys throwing some really smaller stuff or just working the whole water column and whatnot. That's code for I can't double haul a, uh, a giant two-foot bait out all the way into the middle of nowhere like Bam can throwing a 700-grain line. Now, that was, now to, to clarify, your team was Jimbo, Bam Bam, and our boy Derek. Yes, sir. Yep. Yep. And it was, it was super fun because, yeah, like, like I was saying previously, I've never met any of these guys before. Uh, we've never fished together, obviously. So to just get thrown right into the mix, right out of the gates. Um, and, and try to learn a new body of water was super exciting. You know, yeah. was it uncomfortable? Did, was there good hijinks? Was it, you know, loose and, you know, I know I just get made fun of the whole time on my boat with uh, you Ryan and PJ. You whine and complain the whole time. Dude, they I, have I, legitimate somebody, reasoning. Somebody to. has to whine and complain. That's not true. Nobody <laughs> has to whine and complain. I had fun the entire way, man. I whined an and, awesome and complained less this year, but, how, you know, how was uh yeah, you know were you guys joking around and you oh know, yeah man was there, it, was there it, wiener it was jokes fine. flying and all kinds of fun stuff i think with yeah. everybody showing up to camp and like everybody kind of you know getting used to each other you know that first initial night that we were there before the tournament i mean that that made it all the better i mean it was i mean it was an awesome fishing experience i mean those two days i mean it was like we were you know teammates the whole time i mean it was great everybody jived well on the boat i thought so so bam i wanted to ask you and i never did you went to the captain's meeting. How was that the first night? Because it was you and did Rick. Rick went with you, didn't he? And yeah. and who else? Derek. I think Derek drove us there, and it was Rick, Jay, and myself. Maybe there was another guy, but yeah, it's a little different than what I'm used to. Like at the Treelands tournament, where they have absolutely every uh, participant there that opening night where the captain's meeting is a little bit more on the business end and they're just trying to get through all the, the regulations and the rules and get everybody set up with their packets and everything like that. So that was, that was fun to experience uh, that side of the tournament as well. And then also we didn't meet back up till the very last night of the tournament, which is a little bit different um, as well, but it, it's super, it was super fun. Uh, they had it in an outdoor tent and they had uh, some really good food, I remember, like a big family-style buffet and some music going and whatnot, and, and everyone's spirits were high. It was just great to see all these people that I've just kind of interacted with over the years on social media, and to finally see them in the flesh and meet them was a great experience. Awesome. Now, everybody at Treelands is, is generally staying there, right? Uh, not necessarily. They're they're probably there's a lot staying in those cabins, and then there's a lot probably staying in surrounding Airbnbs or um, there's some camping nearby. And a lot of folks um, from 
that region of Wisconsin, they've had like family cabins up there for years that they stay in. So everyone kind of just goes their own separate ways, just like at beast of the East. Um, and then they go out and disappear throughout the whole day and come back in the evening to share fish stories and try to keep their secret waters hush hush as best they can. Yeah. And, and for the beast, so the beast is limited to, the Allegheny from Warren, or from the dam, the whole way down to Franklin, and then the reservoir. Uh, so, Tynesta Reservoir. Correct. Uh, all the way up to Nebraska Bridge, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and even below the dam, all the way to the Ganey. Correct. You can fish uh, on foot if you'd like. But Wisconsin, Treelands, you can fish like a, a anywhere, a designated area? How, how does that work out there? Sure. Like the, the rough rules of that are it's within a 50 mile radius of Treelands Resort. But over the years, people have requested, like, can we get this body of water put into the tournament? Can we take this one out? And it kind of fluctuates from year to year. And the weeks leading up to the tournament, they kind of finalize the whole tournament area and then send out an email to all the attendees and whatnot. Um, and then, so it's a little bit difficult to understand, but, um, if you ever have a question about some type of body of water, you can always like email the tournament director Tatum. She does a really good job getting back to everybody about that. But yeah, you, everyone is just, it's a free for all and everyone just kind of goes their own way. They disappear. You don't see a lot of folks, especially if you're on the rivers, there's certain lakes though, that, um, that have become popular over the years through the tournament. And you'll probably see several boats on there, but it's nothing like fishing Tyanesta where it's like we're playing mus musical chairs out there. Yeah. And we kept pretty close to each other because, uh, you know, Jim's little baby boat can try to keep up with mine. So we stuck close to you guys. We can race if you want. I'll win. So we stuck close to you guys, which really made the weekend great. You know, we had lunch together and, you know, we would be musical cheering and leapfrogging each other, hitting spots, and uh, I, I enjoyed that camaraderie a lot because then we've got six people looking at each other like, man, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And it, it's just fun to, like, you guys are all, everyone's competing against each other, uh, but it is fun to have, like, a little squad that, is allies in a sense and you can just hang out with each other and share the the highs and the lows of the day and it is about the camaraderie chris you're totally correct well you know and then last year you know we all did pretty well you know you guys got big fish uh rick got big fish you guys got what second place we got first mm -hmm. place i mean you know showed out i thought we were gonna go out there and you know show out again and that just wasn't the way it all worked out this year for us. I mean, we saw a couple of fish in ourselves and one like seven pound smallmouth, but <laughs> that was about, you know, I thought it was a muskie, but that was, you know, not too much and no, no, nothing into the eight or anything even. Pre-fishing before the tournament, you know, that was really the only news in the camp. I think it was pre-fishing before the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the, in the river. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Nick, floating. Nick, Nick banged a couple pre-fishing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that it's crazy. It's like uh, the NFL. Any given Sunday, you could you could uh, 
you could be victorious the previous year or even a couple of years. And then the next year you come back and you get completely spanked. And I think that's the allure of musky fishing in general. It's just like, you can be, you can be on the water all the freaking time and have every trick in the book, but there's just some days where you just cannot get it to click. Yeah. hundred percent. And you know, it, it goes back to a, a phrase I've heard a lot. It's fortune uh, favors the bold. And in my opinion, it's fortune favors the prepared. Because, you know, if you don't know, what, if, if you're not ready, if you're not fishing every cast, if you're not paying attention, and that fish that day, that one fish you're going to see, mm-hmm. comes into the eight or takes a swipe and you're not prepared, you're toast. Proper preparation prevents piss poor yep. performance. That's exactly it. And recently, so, I agree with that. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> I totally agree with that. So there's a lot of luck that goes into it. But if you are not prepared, if you are not ready, you can just forget that, about that it. That last fish I had, first time I went in there, he went yeah. in the eight. I wasn't prepared, wasn't paying attention. Nope. Drove his head into the ground. I just <laughs> learned on that. Next <laughs> time came back, and I worked him in the eight for I'm hours. I'm sitting there yeah. swapping GoPro batteries, and all I hear is splashing. And he's like, fish, fish. And, I'm just, and he's like, you didn't see that? He's like, that fish was in the eight for like 60 seconds. And I was like, no, I'm swapping batteries, man. <laughs> but, hey, that's how it works sometimes. Yeah, so, and there, there could be something... Uh, to be said for that too like when you're when you're not paying attention or you're turned around talking to somebody or you're putting your gloves on that fly is still hunting and it's very it's very chilled out and those fibers are just undulating in the water and maybe that's what really triggers a strike with some of those fish so they could be correlated but uh they also have a sixth sense for for attacking and when you've let your guard down for sure yeah hey mark what depth are we at Nine and a half feet. Oh shit, fishing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really a big portion of what makes them assholes. Yep. Big time. Yeah. So are you guys are you guys iced out over there in Wisconsin? Yeah, we're pretty much iced out. It got super cold this weekend. Uh we have the, the trout season opens at the beginning of January, so that's kind of where everyone focuses their they're fly fishing on this time of year. The smallies are really difficult to catch. Uh, they're open year-round catch and release in Wisconsin. And then you can fish pike um, below the the Dells Dam in Eau Claire on down. But even that's really difficult this time of year. It's just so freaking cold. And you technically could probably sneak like a raft through there. But your electronics and your motors aren't going to be very friendly this time of year. So this time of the year turns into tying you time for most people. What do you guys got going on up there for that? And you always got some events going on, so. What was that, Mark? I said this time. Of, I said this time of the year is always turns into tying time of the year for everyone, and you guys always got some events going on. So what's uh, what's new on the event side of things for for fly tying yeah, up sir, on your end? So uh, yeah, we go deep into hibernation with fly tying. So we've been hosting a fly tying club that meets weekly every wednesday at 6 to 9 p.m at modicum brewery and uh that's just a blast there's so many people that come out for that everybody that are tying like trout stuff to salmon stuff and then of course we got a lot of musky guys so that keeps us very sane through the the january february months and then um in the last couple years i try to put on like a big fly tying get together once a year um, this is our second annual fly tires rendezvous. 
So that's going to be on February 25th from noon to 8 p.m. at Lucette Brewery in Menominee. And it's a really accessible spot for folks that are coming in from like the Twin Cities and whatnot. Of course, we're going to have a lot of people from the Chippewa Valley. And then we're hoping to get some folks from southern Wisconsin and all other parts of the region as well. Um, and we've been working with some, uh, we've been working with Musky Fool pretty heavily on that. Dan's been great helping me just run ideas by and helping me get vendors locked in and all that stuff. So we're sponsored by Musky Fool. Whiting Farms and Nightmare Musky Flies this year. Awesome. That'll be a yeah, good event. Sweet. So the Menominee, is that where the uh is that where landwares are and and those guys? That's uh the other Menominee. We got a couple of Menominees. They're spelled slightly different. So the landwares are over on the eastern part of the state, and then this Menominee is up in uh, western Wisconsin. Okay. Both have great fisheries though. That's not confusing at all. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, they have a really good program over there. I've never fished that part of the state. Um, but, yeah, they bang up on the smallmouth on that side. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd love to get over there. So my brother-in-law is a spin guy, but he's fly yep. curious. <laughs> oh, he's fly curious, is he? Yeah, and and my wife's family is from Peoria, Illinois, so we go over there a couple times a year, and so he comes out here too. So we've hit the my big river for smallmouth, but I keep trying to get him to either come up uh, by you guys or shoot over to Landwehr and those guys, and I keep trying to get him to meet me in the middle over with the schultz boys you know i fished with uh dan bennett a couple times and he's a hell of a guide for smallmouth over there but uh i just can't you know he runs he runs two different stores he's got a kid and it's tough to bring him over but they're coming over this in two weeks which should oh, be nice. really the worst fishing possible but <laughs> we'll still have a good time <laughs> but our, we're not iced out at all like i, nope. I was i was now coming down I was coming down the hill by my house, and I have it will be. I have a view of two of our of our big waters, and they're perfect. You know, they're that they're that winter green color, and where they meet, they're the same winter green. And we got, I think, two more days, and then we got three. Uh, pretty much, we're starting all into freezing. And then, like next yeah. Friday's nineteen with a low of six. Yeah, all of them bays are going to be froze at the boat yeah. launch. It's going to stink. Yeah, our launches will be iced up. So hey. Uh, I want to hear a little bit about uh, some keys outdoors, the hunting or musky hunting adventures. Um, talk us through what goes into that and uh, putting something like that together. All the video cameras, the what uh, you're flying around drones. Uh, yeah, I think we all watched that today. I know I watched yeah. it today. I think Mark did. Jay did. Yeah, we all watched it today. And I, yeah, what, what goes into putting something like that together? Good job. Heck yeah. Don't you was, look at me like that. That was a tremendous experience. Probably the highlight of my entire fishing career, if I'm being totally honest. We had such a blast doing it. It all kind of uh, started when um, Mike Keys came uh, for the grand opening of the Musky Fool Fly Shop down in Wanakee this summer. And so Dan and him started talking. And of course, Mike is an absolute musky nut. Um, and he's been intrigued by these river float trips his whole life. And he, he kind of dabbles a little bit with uh, muskies on the fly. And he occasionally has guys on a show that are targeting him on a fly rod, too. So uh, they got to talking and decided they want to put together 
a big float trip in northern Wisconsin this summer. So we rallied the troops and we got two stealth craft hooligans um, together. And we had those things loaded to the gills with, I mean, camping equipment, fishing equipment, and then all of the video equipment. There's so much that goes into that. And it was, it was really fun to have a front row seat to Mike's setup. So on our raft, Dan and I were um, piloting that raft and we had Mike in the back. So he had all of his video equipment stacked up, two handheld rigs, um, and then he had four GoPros that were on like a power pole mount. And then um, those were all running off of 12-volt service. Wow, so that's impressive. It was fun to see how he rigged all of that up, but holy shit, we were, we were going through like 300 CFS river conditions <laughs> in those rafts, and those rafts Dragon. probably weighed damn near 1,000 pounds. We were putting them to their absolute limit. Um, so it, it was super fun to do that, and uh, the, the scene where Mike was throw, flying the drone, we were running the rapid sets through there, and that was a little precarious because the landing situations weren't very good. The, um, like I'm saying, there wasn't much on the shoreline to land a drone. So we had to land it in the boat. Um, and we had just had one guy stand up and grab it really quick, which isn't the safest practice, but we got it done in that regard. What kind of drone did he use? Did you, did you notice? I know you noticed, but what was I it? Was, I think it was a Mavic Pro. And he okay. had the landing gear on there as well. Oh boy! Is really, is that, that, the, helped, <laughs> that helped grab it out of the air. Was that the same one that tried to take your leg off? What's that, Mark? Is that the same one that tried to take your leg off? Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't, don't underestimate those things, man. They will they will f you up if you get close to those rudders, big time. Yeah. But um, yeah, the way that Mike films the show, it, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, he does a really good job of getting his B-roll sections. He does interview type stuff, and um, he's a really great storyteller. So he makes a point of capturing all these crucial moments to ultimately tell the story. And thank God we were able to find some muskies in the mix of all of that, because that really helps not only make an episode, but just uh, helps uh, reiterate the whole story and the experience and all that stuff. Um, and then like when somebody would get a fish on, he, he would immediately go into like, oh man, I got to grab the camera, start shooting, start shooting absolutely everything. And then we would take some time, get the fish over on the side of the river, do some little interviews and, and clips like that and whatnot. And then he would grab his other rig that was set up for like slow-mo shooting and he would get a lot of good footage that way too. Awesome. How was how was that? How was shooting with him different than when you shot uh, Muskie Country Lessons with Bowen? So, with Mike, he's a lot more run gun type of guy. He uses lighter rigs. Um, he was using mirrorless uh, digital cameras, mm -hmm. so he runs like a full Sony setup, and with just little handheld rig, and it, you get that like really action adventure type of look as an audience member because he's immersing you like into the shot you know everything's kind of jittery there's a lot of movement going on so that's really cool and then with uh, musky country lessons uh the way rt shoots it's a different style in that he has a like a huge giant camera that they use in like uh, tv production mm -hmm. like news production 
and he would sit in the boat literally with a tripod and he would just be like on point that entire day just looking right through the viewfinder and we'd have lavalier mics the whole day and whatnot so he had to he had to be on his game making sure everything had enough power we weren't going to lose uh like battery juice right before the big moment and stuff like that so it was really fun to see those two different approaches and the the two videos that those guys ultimately pr- produce are vastly different from one another but still amazing in their own right that that's exactly right uh they they're very different but both very good yep yep and it's just like no one understands what actually goes into not only just producing video content but producing muskies um on camera it's insanely difficult and there's such a small opportunity to actually capture them and you got to make damn sure that no minute detail is overlooked so you don't miss the moment like uh there was even a couple fish we missed on muskie country lessons where we ran out of like battery juice right before that muskie hit the popper or there could be like a water droplet over a gopro lens that'll screw up the most amazing shot you've ever captured you know yeah, I, yeah to- you- I totally understand that, man. Like, whenever I was filming all, you know, a couple weeks ago, I mean, you run through batteries nonstop. You're constantly swapping everything. You're constantly checking lenses. You're constantly checking filters. I mean, it's it it's a very, very hard thing to capture on film. I mean, and to pull it off to, like, that magnitude, I mean, that's that's something to be proud of, definitely. Yeah, we, we all recorded at the Beast. I know Josh recorded some. I recorded a fair amount. Uh, Jim, you recorded a fair oh, amount. Yeah, yeah. And I, think, I, I did a lot of camp footage, yeah. I think when I edited all mine down, I had like a cool 35, 40 seconds of awesome footage. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's it's crazy. You can shoot for days, and, it, and then hours of editing all leads up to less than a minute worth of a final cut, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, water, water in the backcountry do not get along with electronics. And so no, that it no, just no. all adds an element of sheer fuckery in the mix. Like uh, the middle of the the middle of the first day, we just got dumped on on that Mike Keys episode. So we had to just stop filming everything, which kind of sucked. But thank God. Uh, we didn't get any bites during that section. It was right when the rain let up is when Gabe boated the first muskie of that show. Right. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to ruin it, but uh, there were a couple muskies caught and it was, it was, it was a really good 30 minute show. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's on YouTube, right? What do we, what do we look for to find that? Correct. Yep. You can uh, search for keys outdoors or KOTV and uh, follow Mike's channel. He's got all sorts of cool stuff, but that's where it's uh, streaming as of right now. Um, and then there's some other services like Roku and Bali and whatnot as well. And the whole point of that episode was like, you know, Mike and then the Musky Fool Squad were just trying to bridge the gap of all the gearheads and the flyheads. And we just need to get over our approach and just understand that we're all on the same playing field and we're after the same goal which is to um put the muskies at the forefront of conservation and then also boating the shit out of them too 
Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, it, Keys Outdoors goes back for quite a long time, and he's done a lot of great episodes. It was cool to see a different approach to this one. After watching them through the past, and they've all been, I mean, there's there's a lot of phenomenal ones there. This one just kind of gives you that different feel. It's, it's nice. You guys did a really good job with it. Yeah, and it was it was you, Dan, Gabe, Rowan, and Mike, right? Correct, yep. Yes, sir. <laughs> Five of us going going strong down the river. That's cool. We did a 14.6-mile trip uh, with one overnight in there. And uh, Rowan made this fantastic dinner on the first night, the only night. Um, he <laughs> had shot some ducks, and he cooked up duck tacos for everybody. Oh, nice. Hmm. What is it with those long-haired dudes doing waterfowl? Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know. Well, Chad doesn't have any hair, and he's into it now. I don't know. Yeah, well, the, the Dan Bennett, the guy I went with Michigan. I mean, he's he looks just like Rowan, uh, and he's a big waterfowl guy. Oh yeah, I don't know. Hippies. It's something wow. about the the hair products that bring the wildlife. In. <laughs> I tell you what, though, that wild game makes the best shore lunches. Oh, oh there's just oh. something about oh, yeah. it. Like even like the beast, we had all that chili and. No, them, them shore lunches we did there are just ridiculous. Yeah, we had a walleye, tenderloins. I mean, I mean you got that's stuff yeah, that everywhere. that yeah. wild game you can't beat it for shore lunches. It's the best. Day two, we had a fucking chili cook off yeah. <laughs> for lunch <laughs> on the shore. Yeah, Derek brought like seven gallons of chili, and Rick brought like five gallons of chili. Chili. Jim is standing there with this beautiful venison tenderloin and just goes it's like we don't have room for this i'm just gonna put this back in the yeah cooler. i'm gonna put it back <laughs> in the coolers right now we don't need this right now we'll yeah, eat I, this fried, we'll get back I fried fish that day too huh yeah yeah we had fish yeah. and two different kinds of, we had like a five meat chili and then another chili yeah and there were a whole grill set up on the side of a riverbank in the middle of nowhere yeah we had we had two grills we had that jet boil and we had uh the the big coleman two burner mm. yeah That's we don't what i'm saying that's what I'm saying. You guys do it up at the Beast. Never seen anything like that. Nothing even comes close to what I saw out there. Tell you what, now, regardless, let's put the day that you've had a crap day or you put the day that you had a phenomenal day. Regardless of what it is, you go into a shore lunch like that when you're done, your spirits are lifted no matter what. Oh, yeah. I sure. mean, you were just like jive ready to go mm -hmm. after. Them shore lunches are the best. 100% recharge. Yep. For sure. Yeah, and yeah. I've been on a lot of smallmouth trips where, like, lunch isn't important, right? Because you're smallmouth fishing and you, you're you're catching fish and maybe you'll eat a sandwich on your way down through or whatever. But with muskie, where you're not catching a ton of fish in the morning, you need that break. You need that recharge. You're casting hard. You're going hard. Or uh, oh, especially in a tournament like that when it's you know you're going hard for two days and I mean yeah. we're all day long. It feels like and geez. yeah. Or if you're rowing. You know, that's it's it's a necessity and, and we don't fuck around when it comes to lunch. No. no. no Chris no, doesn't fuck around when it comes to any meal, it doesn't look like we're Yeah, making. I miss zero meals. <laughs> Man, one day we were making uh we literally we launched a raft, we walked back up and we were sitting making buckwheat pancakes and like maple sausage, everything on the bed <laughs> of the truck. We had eggs going, toast, oh, everything. Was that thing we me we floated. Me no, it was me, him, and Michael floated. We yeah, and he brought a Yeti full too. of uh, buckwheat pancake mix. Yeah, we had homemade syrup. Breakfast are awesome. I love breakfast. I make my own maple syrup. About this time every year, we'll we'll start tapping trees, and uh, me and my buddy make between 
seven and ten gallons of maple syrup a year. So any any time I can get a chance to take that out, we're like, what are we doing for breakfast? I'm like, let's do pancakes. Yeah. I have too much syrup in my fridge. Got to burn off stock real quick. Love it. Yeah, that stuff is it's so necessary to recharge the batteries uh, when you're out on the river, especially on those really long, cold days. You're not seeing a lot of action, and the group morale is just kind of tanked. You just got to bring spirits back up, get everybody in the game, because uh, like we discussed earlier, if your head's not in the game, if you're not ready to make that crucial strip set during that one small window of opportunity, the whole day is just going to be shot. Yeah, agreed. Yep. 100%. I mean, that's, I had one opportunity, or a couple opportunities, but the one I had, fish came up and smacked it and just jumped too quick on him. Didn't let him go down. And just, you know, that one quick opportunity you got, and that's the one good shot you had for the day, and there it goes. And I fucked up that fish in the eight. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're usually going to give you a shot every day. It's just whether you capitalize on it or not. Some days you get lucky and they give you a few. Some days they give you none. But... More than half the time, they're going to give you a shot in a day. It's just if you jack it up or not. Summertime is a good, summertime is a shit. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so what other goodies you got on your end, Bam? What haven't we hit on yet? What would you like to touch on? I want to talk about some uh, this, that swim, the swim bait fly. You know, the swim bait fly you guys are throwing? It's a, it's a huge. The glider. Yeah, the glider. That huge, huge fly. You know, again, I we don't throw quite as often, something like that. Mark's getting into it. You know, he has two-handers and things of that sort. Um, you throw that – is that an all-year-round thing for you guys? Is that just, you know, late season? What, what's up with that fly and, you know, why are you throwing it? And what, what's it do yeah. for you? Yeah, that's definitely one of the flavors I brought from the Midwest out to the beast in hopes of uh, really capitalizing on those muskies that I've never seen that. But within the past couple of years, I'd say the glider game has been uh, very much engineered – in different manners, but by a lot of like uh, key guys. So it all kind of started with Gabe Schubert and David Holmes, uh, where they were just taking like big musky platforms and, and reverse engineering them in, into a fly that you could you could get to walk the dog and and on a giant platform. So we're talking like twelve to sixteen inch flies, sometimes bigger than that. And then uh, these guys are casting them on on either big 12 weights or the the two-handed stuff as well um and then like uh the guys in the the musky full squad and like the eau claire group and our squad they're uh they're throwing gliders pretty much year round so you got like gabe nick and rowan and dan they all love love gliders and they're they're hucking that stuff pretty much every time we're out there and if you look at Dan right now, he's so messed up from throwing gliders. He's got trigger finger in both hands. And Ooh. he actually has to wear braces and do physical therapy uh, through this offseason. So I'm hoping he's back in his fighting shape next year. Yeah, I don't think people realize, like, what goes into that. I mean, like, myself, I mean, just because I'm obviously sitting all the time, so I have to. But, like, you've got to keep your body in shape to throw that kind of stuff. Like, picking up mm -hmm. that two-hander and chucking it with weight on there. I'm telling you, it takes a lot. I mean, I literally, I do work out in order to keep, to be able to throw these type of rods and stuff. You have to. It beats the living crap out of you once you start getting into them big, big flies. Yeah, and that glider is like yeah. two or three bucktails per fly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the only way to make them glide like they should is you got to really pack that bucktail in there and make that core super condensed. 
and they're they're built on really long shanks and so it does take a lot of energy to get that thing out there but i will say once it's out there fishing and hunting it's probably one of the fishiest presentations on the planet um i don't and know oh. yeah like every every musky veteran will say that if you want to catch giant fish you got to be hunting giant flies it's not always the case but more often than not that's what it comes down to um and then to mark's point taking care of your body grown men are just notorious for neglecting their health i mean we're all <laughs> out in the boat we're not drinking enough water we're drinking way too much booze we're eating like shit so and you're expecting your body to perform at a peak level throwing these gigantic flies all day long it's just like a recipe for injuries you know oh yeah i mean booze and no water and you build up lactic acid and you keep doing that man you can do that time over time again it is just it's going to wreck your body it's the same thing with just like any repetition i really feel attacked right now (laughs) 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 going uh well going back to that fly a little bit oh go ahead we're just segueing into an intervention for Chris right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I was going to say, going back to that fly, um, not going into design too much if you don't want to, uh, or you can give all those design away. Um, it, they're not jointed, not jointed flies. Uh, I could tell you one thing before you get to that. You can give that whole fly design away. You're going to need to tie a lot of them fly. And like Bam said, to get it right, and it is. It's a feel thing. You've yeah. got to tie and tie and tie and tie and tie. And he could tell you, I mean, that's going to be one thing with them that, like. And it's disappointing it's, it's, when you it's tie it, a couple. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's a, it it's a great platform. It definitely, I mean, you, you can elaborate a little more on it. You you guys have messed with that platform a bit and how to kind of get it right. Yeah, I can, I can give away all the secrets that I know. Uh, I'm actually not the the most seasoned tire of the glider but i will say that i've seen the biggest of the big gliders and then um nick gellerstad is also tying what he calls his micro glider which is really cool and most clients can fish that all day and it's a super fishy action style fly as well so i wanted to just kind of take what you know both ends of the spectrum and come to a happy middle ground where it's a glider platform that you cast on it uh, 10 or 12 weight utilizing a double haul. So it's not something you have to water load or do a big giant aerial cast or a Belgian style cast or anything like that. And uh, yeah, so my gliders are just slightly smaller than somebody's like Gabe or Rowan or Dan's or something. Um, and uh, they feature, I got one right here. So the, they're tied on a back hook that's usually like a three-yacht or a four-yacht hook, Gamagatsu B10S. And then that's tied into a long shank, something like a like an 80-millimeter shank, something in that ballpark. Um, and then it has like a, a drop loop on there um, about two-thirds of the way up the shank. And so what that allows for is you put a split ring, and then you can either swap out like uh, frog hooks or a treble hook or do a big drop down um, like six if you want to. And then also the beauty of that is uh, if you get a fish that swallows the glider, um, it's modular. So you could, you know, cut that hook off, not feel bad about it, save the fish and then uh, repair your your fly as well. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it's it's a cool fly. When when you first showed that to to Mark at the Beast, I said I'm gonna 
I'm going to tie some of those. Dude, I watched it fish for two days. Yeah, I you didn't. don't got to tell me. <laughs> but I, I, yeah. I've tied a couple, and the first two were, like you said, if you don't, if you don't do them right, they're, they're not going to fish like that. They're not going to fish the way you want. You got to pack that yeah. hair in tight. That's a lot of material. You it really got to pack that head in there. And then um, there's the nuances all in tuning the shank. So that big, long front shank, you got to put like a downward bend into it. So if you put a little too too much English on it, she's going to be a little bit too aggressive and her walking the dog is not enough. She might start corkscrewing into the boat when you're stripping it. So that plays into a lot of how that fly is going to move through the water. And then, of course, uh, once you actually catch a muskie on it or if you cast it into a boulder or something, um, that can kind of screw up the bend in the shank so you got to retune it um periodically throughout the day or the week or whatever that's i was gonna just add that was kind of where i was gonna go my next question is like you tune it as you go it's just one of those things you kind of bend or unbend or kind of okay well i like it okay now it's swimming to me great all right perfect well like josh or i could but you might need help oh sure no i'd I'd need a (laughs) pair of pliers and then i'd be eating up all the hair Hey, hey, wait, wait! I swing a hammer for a living. I'm not that. I'm not that weak. I just smash it with a hammer a few times, and we'd see what, how it works. <laughs> yeah. Hit it harder. Get a bigger You're hammer. A tough, scrappy dude, Jay. <laughs> Little uh, guy. But yeah, you're. It's like the, one of the only flies I could think of where you're just constantly making tweaks to it, and and actually sometimes like you'll catch a muskie on it, and it'll start swimming even better than before you caught the fish on it so it's it's just a super fun fly to fish and experiment with and a lot of these guys that are tying them they're putting all sorts of different heads on them and of course the head is what dictates how the fly is going to ultimately swim usually so sometimes they're doing a river pig platform or sometimes they're doing a buford or like a bulkhead uh deceiver style river head on those things and it's just all kind of personal preference or what kind of action you're looking for. So when you're not fishing that, you're fishing one of Mark's uh, orange and black um, uh, Buford heads. I'm sorry. Yes, sir. Yep. Uh, I stumbled on Mark's fly several years ago, and I was instantly sold on just the clear success rate of them, especially that black and orange double Buford. That thing it caught so many more fish than any other fly I've ever seen, especially like where we're fishing in these tannic bodies of water, that thing just, it really gets noticed and it, uh, it doesn't get followed a lot. It gets chomped very often. And it's just a great fly that you can cast on a 10 or a 12 weight. And I've seen some really giant fish caught on that double Buford platform. Do so you think uh, color is just luck of the draw? Do you think that's something that really matters? And, you know, is it, is it something that you see across the board with the guys you fish with that certain colors work well better than others where you're at? Yeah, that's a super good question. And uh, there's a lot of theories on colors and whatnot. And I think what it boils down to and the observations we've kind of made and, and what I've heard from others is it's not necessarily – making something that's super realistic but having a really stark contrast on your your color scheme so whether you're using two colors or three colors or whatnot you want that 
that contrast between the colors very, very clear and concise. And I think that's why that, like that black and orange works so well. It's got that really vibrant orange tail and then that very stark black head. And we've seen that with all sorts of other color combos like white head and a lemon tail uh, rear end or lemon tail tail. Um, that's also another good one. Or just like solid, solid colors, like solid white, solid pink, solid yellow. You know, we've seen a lot of success on on that type of schematic as well. That was a really good answer. Mm-hmm. You you very rarely get a straight answer about colors from really anybody, and I think I think the the answer being contrast is is solid. Well, I think one nice thing for you too is you guys deal with a consistent water pretty much. I mean, you're dealing with usually pretty well tannic. I mean, look at, mm. you can come here and I can go in 45 minutes and show you five different colors yeah. of water. Yeah, brown I mean, we have, it's Yeah, it's it's brown to crystal clear. So it's it's nice you have like one way that you can kind of like focus and hone in on them like that. Yep. And if you look at a lot of the, the gear world baits, like you pull out Medusa's, um, like uh, cowgirls and bulldogs and all that stuff, look at the color combos that they're using. And, and in fact, like print off a cheat sheet of those styles of baits and then use them to inspire your color combos. You're going to see a lot of solid color tails and then a solid color um, like shoulder area and a solid color belly area. And that's it. They're not blending like 30 different colors together like a lot of the fly tire guys want to do. They're just getting to the high contrast color schemes because when that bait is walking the dog through the water it's showing different profiles and that change in that color is probably what's triggering a lot of action so you 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 talk about tails uh here where we are those pecorini tails hook fish like we bring a lot more fish in on pecorini tails than we don't are you guys using a lot of pecorini tails or are you mostly feathers and synthetics i've i really have just gotten into the pecorini game i just caught my first musky on a urban fly fly that jen gave me last season and it had a pack green tail on it but other than that i don't really mess around with the tails i know some guys have had a lot of success and then you got a lot of the purists out there that that are like oh i'm only using naturals and whatnot but uh i think sometimes like if you're just you're getting a lot of followers throughout the day on like a standard Buford or a Deceiver that doesn't have a tail uh, like that, switch it up and see if that triggers a strike. And it could be the difference between turning that fish into uh, a killing machine or a casual follower. 100%. Given the opportunity, how many times will you, you know, try out a fish? Will you, you know, sit and you get one hot? Will you try after it again? Yeah, there's this fish that I'll always remember. It was uh four years ago on the Chippewa river. And, um, I made a pass through this section and I was fishing a Marky Mark double Buford. It was like it's cotton candy pattern. And I had this big monster come right into the boat really, really slow. And I was just doing standard stripping and whatnot. And I read in a, like a, a musky hunter magazine article. If you ever have a fish that's falling and is curious, Try making another pass through there, but just speed it up like crazy. So I ran the boat to the top of the drift, 
and came right back down and I was doing that two-handed burn and he hit that thing so freaking hard he shot out of the water and a lamprey eel flew off of his head in midair <laughs> and, and that's what that was the one thing that triggered that fish to go you the know speed yep and he ended up being a 46 incher and it was just like Ooh. holy shit like just that little change in presentation or maybe it was even a slightly different angle that that fish all of a sudden turned into a an eater the cat and mouse game with it probably a little bit you know yep. if you just leave that feather in front of a cat a cat's not going to go after it you pull it away at a high speed take it around to something it can't see anymore oh it's right on top of it you know one of those yeah. things probably it's it's funny you <laughs> mention a lamprey i had i had no idea uh we had those in in my river here and uh Mark and I, Mark I, and I were fishing. I stuck That's a smallmouth right, and it came flying off of into the boat. Yeah, and my, <laughs> and my favorite part is you're like, get it out of the boat, get it out of the boat, get that thing the fuck away from me. <laughs> they look like <laughs> aliens. I don't do yeah, snakes. That's too close to a snake. Mega leech. They're part of the ecosystem, I guess. Yeah, sure. I, I thought it was. I was like, oh man, that thing's awesome. Mark's backing away. I'm like, don't back up too far, dude. What are you gonna do with them? I'm not gonna do nothing with it. You're gonna Shoot get it out of the boat right Shoot now. It. <laughs> Shoot them. What have you guys seen uh, with effective color combos out by where you live? If you want to divulge that info, I anymore dang near ninety percent of the time I'm fishing white, black, and yellow. Yeah, I mean that's it. Really is. I mean, you can throw your other ones in and have periodic, but I'm finding that I'm just allocating what does the most, and I'll test some other stuff here and there. But really, ninety percent of our fishing is white, black, and yellow. Yeah, I throw some variants yeah. in with it, and I'm a white guy. Yeah, I like I'm white a, and black. I I love pink. Yeah, you do. When, yeah. When, yeah. When, yeah. yeah, you're having your when, third kid. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when we can't move fish and we're not seeing anything, I'm like, I'm putting something pink on. Cause yeah, I, just, I like pink, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all that striper fishing I've done, you know, all those gear guys, you know, when we're out there and we're struggling to catch fish, when we're just blind casting off these, you know, off these flats into deeper water and you got these guys just chucking pink sluggos and bringing in 30, 40-pound fish, uh, I I still believe in pink. The, the, that's my that's my go-to. Like any kind of muddy type water or any kind of like darker water, man. Pink's always a good option. Pink can't go wrong with it. Yeah, but I don't. Especially I if don't, it's high mud or something like that. The only other thing I'll I'll maybe throw is like a single style with a tail, like natural colors. But that's pretty mm-hmm. rare too. It's usually I black need to or throw white. More sucker. I don't throw enough sucker yeah. color. Yeah, either. sucker patterns definitely. And again, it's tough because like our water's so different. We have lakes that we're fishing, you know, fishing for shad and what have you, or, or bait. And then you have lakes that's almost specifically like perch. Mm-hmm. Then you get into the river systems where it's a lot more suckers, and it just depends on the water. Mm-hmm. That black, you know, is always good. It don't matter if it's dark, if it's dingy, if it's muddy, if it's clear. Yeah. Black is Can't always white. That that's your go-to, black and yellow. And a lot of my fish, a lot of them come on black and yellow. Yep. Oh, yeah. I've witnessed a lot of fish on the black and yellow. <laughs> a lot. Seen some pretty epic eats on the side of the raft. So, Josh, are your lakes that tannic color, too, or is it mostly your moving water? A lot of them are tannic as well. But we do have some clearer lakes around the area also. Now, do they usually get choked with vegetation, or do they stay pretty well open through the year, the clear yeah, ones? Yeah, we have milfoil problems bad, and then, uh, yeah. yeah, they get... They just get ransacked with all sorts of vegetation. But that's that's the fun time of year to fish poppers and whatnot. 
Yeah, there's a there's mm-hmm. a lake uh, a couple hours north of us that if you try to fish it in the middle of June until October, it's just for fly fishing. It's just full of weeds. You got to run poppers yeah. or you can't. Other fish state. It. Other state. Other state. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's tricky. Run the lines. Do you guys mm-hmm. have any tannic bodies of water you fish a lot near you? I mean, we'll occasionally get tannic water on clear lakes after heavy rain, but it's mainly, it'll go to mud on most of the places. You've got to really be on a natural lake full of weeds and have heavy rain for it to turn tannic, or it really yeah, just muds very, everywhere. Very, very, yeah. You've got the local, our local, I mean, I like the local, you know, river. Uh, we appreciate much anymore. I wouldn't That's call it mud. even tannic. It no, be, it's muddy. always just murky, muddy. But it's not yeah. tannic per se. Generally, we don't like have clear with brown. Yeah, yeah, we have more dirt though. We don't have clay and whatnot for it no. to run through, and yeah. it's just running mud off. Jay's Bofin Lake is tannic. Sure. Yeah, yeah. that yep. that'd be okay. the most tannic place because it had a lot of vegetation to yep. kind of clean, filter everything out. But other than that, most of our creeks, most of our rivers are either clear or they're muddy. And yep. then, in, and then in the winter, like this time of year. There's that. Oh, you get that beautiful the, green. The, oh, beautiful the emerald green. green. That's oh, the best. Yeah. It's beautiful. That's oh, the yeah. best. With you got that runoff going through the snow, you can't mm-hmm. beat it. I mean, when we get yeah. that, you know, that decom- decomposition, you know, with the leaves and yes. stuff at the first part of the fall, you get a little bit of, you know, the tan. In, in, the, up, in the steelhead trips, you do. Yeah. But not, not in where we fish for any of the musky or, you know, smallmouth, no, any no. of that kind of stuff. You got to make a trip back so we can take you through our home water here. Or just extend your trip next time you come up to the beast and fish our locals as well. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, Josh, I'd love to. I'd love to get you on 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 my jet on the big river out here. That'd be a, that'd be a great time. Mm-hmm. That'd be a blast. Yeah, I'm definitely coming out there sometime again. And you guys should definitely come out to the Midwest to the mecca of the muskie someday as well. I I after, I believe that's yeah. in that's in the works. After seeing that video, I definitely think we have to do that at some point now, and really make it a point to get up there. I know we made it a Regardless point to get a couple of the other places, but yeah, I got the yellow light for that, so we're getting closer. Sweet, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm already full green light. But <laughs> yeah. the problem with got him, I haven't even talked about the it. problem with my green light is is we have to ransack Elier now over it. Poor guy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that I can swing both. That guy will go fishing anywhere. I know. So hopefully he'll come up and he won't get too mad if I... He's in Louisiana now. I know. He tried to get me to go to Louisiana. He messaged me the other day. He was like, come to Louisiana. I was like, I <laughs> wish I could just drop everything and come to Louisiana. That sounds awesome, but... Hey, Josh, on that note, do we have anything we haven't hit on tonight that you would like to hit on or before we uh, before we stop end this podcast and move on to the couple other things we have to get to? Uh, I think we, we covered a lot of juicy material. We we made a podcasting magic this evening. There was one <laughs> thing I was going to touch base on was this tournament season. So the Beast of the East and Treelands, uh, we're, we're in talks with uh, both directors uh, to get those, those weekends to flip-flop or at least put a couple weeks between both. So if there's folks out there that want to fish – uh, both tournaments, they'll be able to do so, and they won't uh, have to pick uh, which one they want to go to. Because I think historically, they've always kind of hit on the same weekend. Yeah, pretty much. That'd be yeah, nice to really separate have. that up a little bit. Yeah, because we, I know, I know, we'd come out, or at least try. Oh for, yeah, for Treelands, and then if if Treelands was a couple weeks before the Beast, I I know a couple teams from Pennsylvania 
would or New York or Ohio. I would try to, but the uh, musky fool group there is going to have me inundated getting them ready for fall season while they come down. <laughs> Strategy. <laughs> Tell them Strategy. they get to wait. That's how they keep Strategy. me out of there. We're going to give Mark a big order yeah. so he won't come up the tree lens. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I come out there, I'm not even going to bring a rod. I'm just going to bring my appetite because the food was so damn good. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we're glad you had a good time. It was awesome having you here. I mean, I enjoyed the few days I got to spend with you and, you know, getting to spend a couple of days extra there showing you around a little bit. That was awesome. It was a good time to finally oh, yeah, get to you meet guys you, are man. world class hosts, that's for damn sure. Yeah, oh. and my kids still talk about you since, you know, I FaceTime with them and introduce you to them. They're like, where's the guy from Wisconsin? I'm like, still in Wisconsin, guys. And just, if the just Treeland, take it easy. <laughs> if you guys want to come down, the uh, Treeland boys, we were talking about the other night, and you guys said you might have to get a find another place. I was been talking to the guy with the camp next to us who has four beds, nice little camp. I think uh, we'll be able to yeah. swing getting that camp uh, opened up for us as well. We're so. going to be representing quite a few states here going in. We're going to have four or down. five states. It's five, five or six states representing this yeah. camp. We're going to have to get an anthem song. Bring a couple people yeah. down, and I'll, we'll, we'll make it a good time. We'll make it all work out. So, Yeah, we'll bring the Malark. <laughs> Please don't. Yeah. Right. Please don't. We rescind this <laughs> offer. <laughs> this offer stands under no Malark. This entire podcast, but it needs to be said. I knew it would come up, that's for sure. I mean, hey, yeah. it's a good fire starter now. At least we learned that it's just on yeah. fire when you yeah. pour it in. I can't drink it anymore because you know what happens to me Monday morning at work, so no more Malort for this yeah. guy. So Jay, Jay's going to have to reset his shit his pants cowboy. calendar. No. My, yeah. my okay. brother-in-law in Illinois just called me, and he's like, hey, we just got our shipment in. So he's sending me a couple bottles of E.H. Taylor, a couple bottles of Stag. He's sending me some Weller. Mm. Like, they got their big shipment in, and he goes, uh, Malort question mark <laughs> and I said absolutely not no nope. first of all We've I want them days behind us we've grown up yeah, grown yeah. Up. so so here's here's the Pennsylvania Malort story right like we've seen it on you know the fly fishing page everybody drinking Malort we've heard talking about Malort so my brother-in-law lives in Illinois I go to Peoria Illinois a couple times a year and I know we can get Malort there so Mark texts me and I've had it before. Let's put that on the record. Mark texts me and he goes, hey, can you get me a bottle of Malort? And I texted back, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, he goes, no, for real. I, uh, I want to try it. And, you know, it's supposed to be good musky juju. I'm like, buddy, I can't do that to you. I don't want to do that to you. And he goes, but, you know, we got to try one. I was like, all right. So I got I got him a bottle. I got him the Christmas bottle. So it came with the Malort Christmas bottle. Yeah, I got bottle. the ornament sitting up above the tie-in <laughs> desk and everything. <laughs> and the fifth of Malort, and we brought it to tying night one night and introduced it to everybody, and everybody decided this is not That Malort went around drinking. like bag-in-a-box wine when you get smacked. It was like, here, you get hit with a bottle. Drink this. What is it? Drink it. Or Yeah. <laughs> so then... I found that they had the mini bottles. So my brother-in-law gets like eight packs of those mini bottles. So I bought two of them. And I've always got a bottle or two in my uh, Yeti Go box. And, and you still, in what we learned, lesson learned, it, it does not have PA musky juju. Because no, all the time, you shit yourself no, on we have Monday not morning. caught musky anytime <laughs> we had Malort in a boat. Anytime we drank Malort, we never caught a musky. And it probably made, they made quite a few rounds with us. Do you know what PA musky juju is? Russell's Reserve. Yes, 100%. Russell's Reserve. Yep, we uh, we got big fish at the Beast with Russell's Reserve. Uh, a couple weeks later, Rick came out here, banged a big one on a local creek. 
You Russell's got your reserve. first, then Michael got his right after. On it. Yeah, yep. Russell's is the ticket. I like Russell's. <laughs> Russell's is good stuff. It yeah, is. and it's also delicious, so that helps. Yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not like Malort where you're just gonna fight your dad afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, those those taglines and that commercial, even though the stuff tastes like hot kerosene piss. Those commercials are fantastic, yes. and and the taglines are even better. Not wrong. Oh, yeah. Not wrong. Like these pants aren't going to shit themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but you already said my favorite. That's Tonight's the what? night you fight your dad, my lord. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's <laughs> that's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna call. That's what we're gonna call this podcast. These pants are going to shit themselves. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was one of the greatest. I, and I did that. I, like I said, I pulled that off on Monday. Hey, uh, it was great talking to you tonight, Josh. <laughs> on, on, that, on that note, uh, hey, check out the Keys Outdoors Musky Hunting Adventures with the Musky Fools. Uh, it was awesome. I really enjoyed that. Um, hey, it was wonderful talking to you tonight, and uh, hopefully we get to see you soon. Hell yeah, guys. Thanks for having me on the show, as always, and good luck with uh, your podcast moving forward here. Thanks, appreciate it. Thanks, appreciate it. Thanks for the kicks in the butt. Yep, not a problem. Have a great night. And we're back. Man, what a what a great interview there. What a great talk with Josh. Josh is always a blast. Yeah. yeah love him. Love, love that dude. Yeah, good buddy. Good buddy. Feels like he's he's just family now to us. Yeah, it's just and good that vibes. Whole, that, whole, that whole musky fool. Uh, crew up there is like family to us down here in uh, SVS land. Um, but hey, we're going to come back and we've got a couple other topics we want to get to before we uh, end our podcast here. Um, we're going to do a f- our fly tying for dummies uh, this week. Um, and we mean that loosely. You know, that's just a joke around, you know, kind of term. But uh, yeah, we're going to talk about musky. Yeah, is somebody getting you started, get started in the musky. Uh, and we're going to go through a di- lot of different fish and a lot of different uh, things you might want to get when you uh, are going to go out there and try to take it real serious. First off, uh, you know what? If you're going to go out for musky, go buy yourself a good net. That's, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm being serious. I don't have one. I don't musky fish. I, I don't musky. But, story but I'm just, I'm, but I'm being serious. That's like one thing that I always see some people that are very undergunned. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you, when you're on it, when you want to touch a fish that's, that's big, like, and I always, ha- I, I, I hate bogey rips. And I hate these other things. Like, and I'm oh, going to into all those rants about that. If you're, if you don't want to grab a, a musky underneath, uh, underneath the gills, like underneath, you know, underneath his uh, you know, shit, you know, yeah. if you can't do that. Don't go. Just don't go yet. Mm. Just don't go yet. Yeah. Or or, or, or or yeah, or go out for pike. Yeah. Uh, any anybody wants to get into musky fishing, should go pike fishing first. I would say that. Yeah. Don't have speaking. fear of the fish before. I mean, you're gonna be obviously scared. It's a big, uh, sure. big fish with teeth, but. Be, be a little confident going in. Make yeah. sure you're not, because, I mean, that's you that's the first thing. You go in timid on one of them fish, you're going to get your fingers raked. You, you and I don't know what you're talking about. Nice. You kind of got to go into it, too, knowing, like, talking it's, to the mic. It, it's going to happen. Like, you're going to get, eventually, at some point, I mean, you're going to have a nick or a cut or something like that. I mean, it's going to happen. But, I, I mean, I feel like the day, it's still a fish. I feel like two of these stories are directed at me. My, I missed my first... My first possible boated muskie in my life, and it was a good fish. It was a 40-inch fish-ish because uh, I was fishing by myself, and all I had was my smallmouth net. 
and I fucked around and I dicked around with that fish and I tried to get it into the net and it just popped loose. And away it went. And then uh, my next phone call that day was to Dan over at Muskie Fool. And they were out of nets. So I got to wait like three months, but I got, you know, one of those big Stowmasters and, you know, now it's got a lot of slime on it, but I, I wouldn't, they're expensive, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. That folding deep net, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. You got to have one, especially if you care about that fish. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Make sure you have a good net. Make sure you have good deep pliers, something to, uh, you know, reasonably hold the mouth open with. Make sure you got all your tools ready to roll there. I mean, I don't, a lot of people do carry cutters and stuff. I don't think that's necessary off the bat. And depending on what kind of flies you're using, though, too, it makes a big difference. I, I but make sure you have you know you, your tools ready for you. You know, have good pliers, have something to hold the mouth open, have a big net. That's the that's the main thing yeah. there, so that you're not getting hurt and that fish isn't going to be sitting there. Buy a nicer, buy I it twice, definitely yeah. with a net. I mean, not that you're trying, you know, you're fishing for fish, no matter what size, but you know, I wouldn't go out searching fifty-two inch fish or fifty forty-eight inch fish right off the bat either. You know, if you know a spot right. you can get you can into, stumble into one. Oh, sure, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. If you know yeah. places you can get into. You know, handle a few smaller fish, catch a few smaller fish, get some fish under your belt. You know, just get the feel and what you should be doing. Even if you haven't double hauled before, you know, maybe a 12 weight isn't, you know, and a 14 inch fly isn't the way to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe yeah. try to smart out with, some, start out with something a little bit smaller. What have, what have we been talking about all winter? You and I. I'm talking like three and four inch flies. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of like this time, and even like into spring, we wanted the next few, like once this ice comes off, you just can't, you know, and we were, okay, let's, before I even get to that, we were talking over the break, Camden Glade, someone that we would love mm -hmm. to get on the show. I'd definitely like to reach out to him, but all of the videos are then pumping his stomachs. Now you see a lot of the fish, you get into the big ones. Obviously there's big meals coming out of them, but a lot of them, there's a lot of potato chips ate between them meals. There's a sure. lot of three sure. or four inch perch and little mm. different bait fish pumping oh, yeah. out of there. Them things will eat them small fish all the time. Does Chris look like he misses a bag of potato chips along with the steaks? I mean, Chris, Chris, Chris C, how much C, you like? C. How much I you like those potato chips? C, C, C. How much you like those potato chips? You big, you big fish, you. Yeah. Third snack in between lunch and dinner. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, Cape Cod salt and black pepper chips. But there's yes, a lot to said. I mean, we get a lot of fish on singles. No, I, I, you fish. We fish everything. I mean, it's any days. It doesn't. There's a lot on the board, but a lot of fish come on singles. Yeah, Rick's don't got to start off huge. Rick's Rick's big one was on uh, yeah. at the beast was on a single. Yeah, but, but back oh, to I the, love net, the singles. I said earlier, fortune favors the prepared. You mm -hmm. know, if you're going to go fish for these fish, you need to come prepared. Before we talk about rods and reels and lines and flies, you can come with eight of the best fly rods in the world, eight of the perfect lines, twenty perfect flies. But if you're not prepared to land a fish and safely release that fish, you're in trouble. I lost three fish before I caught my first one because I never had a net with me. And I lost them all trying to get them in. And the first one I landed, I landed without a net too. But had I had a net, I'd have landed a few more fish there. Yeah. So, so you know, there's a lot of lessons learned. Mm -hmm. that, and that's definitely one. Absolutely. Have a net and be ready for right from the bat. That's going to be a big one. Yeah, after after the net and uh, and and like you, you know, said, a pair of deep pliers. If you can find yourself a pair of good jaw spreaders, I know the Thorn Brothers jaw spreaders I have. 
They weren't expensive. I got them. Oh, Pros makes a oh, really Pros. nice. That's one. who I meant. Yes, they're like the, ratcheting. Yeah, that's yeah. the nicest pair there is. I, I need to get a pair of them. Yeah, that's nice. what I meant. I have yeah. them on my uh, my just in case box. Mm-hmm. Always wherever I go. Getting into some of the starting tools though. Again, I I bet uh, Tom Shank there at Chippewa River Custom Rods has a, a perfect ten weight for somebody to. Well, and so that's kind of one thing we wanted to hit there. You know, some minimum. smaller flies, some, yeah. some decent sized flies, and then you can move into, you know, double hauling a 12 weight and even whatever, you know, getting into and two-handers. And, the, and the, the, the sky's yeah. the limit at that point if you're really going to go down the the old, uh, what we say, wormhole? So much of what you can do with them fish. Rabbit hole? Rabbit hole. Rabbit hole is the word. Guys, darn me. It's a wormhole. Rabbit hole. Hoss I'm thinking. Pfeffer. I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking UFOs with you. Wormholes <laughs> out there. <laughs> so Don't much of them can be done with a ten weight. I mean, you. Funny. But you definitely want to do minimum ten weight. The new Tommy eight weight two piece is a very good rod. It's that, nice. That rod. You, is you do want to have a little bit of experience with a fish first. Mm-hmm. I mean, even on some of the smaller fish that I've landed on, it they're a lot of fun. But they fight you a lot harder than say a ten weight will. Ten weight, you can pretty much buckle a fish up into the low forties. Meaning that if you have the right setup with leader and wire. That fish turns from you, you can turn his head and pretty much break him right there and put him in the net. You're not going to do that on an 8. You definitely want to start with a 10, but if you have a 10 and you have a floating line and all that, you are at some point going to want to go into different lines, and we'll get into that down the road, but you can work a floating line just fine. You can throw flies like a river pig. You can put like a 250-pound swivel in the middle, which sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. Adds weight and helps bring that line down. You can go to a fluorocarbon, longer fluorocarbon leader instead of a, a nylon. How long? That's gonna. I like to run three-foot leaders to 18, three-foot of butt to 18. Now, when I'm playing with stuff like that and I'm fishing slow in the winter, I've got leaders running six to eight feet depending on the depth. In this time of the year, I'll be honest with you, I haven't, I haven't ran wire in a while now, have I? No. I'm just trying no. to see if I can get bit off. I'm just, I'm literally trying to see. I'm running 50-pound fluoro now. I've ran 60. I think I've caught three on 60 and haven't been nicked yet. I caught the last two fish on 50. That last fish. I and mean, you're just going to do that this time of year? Uh, right. Well, right now, because we're going so slow and we're working these fish because they're so highly pressured and the water's really clear, when I start getting to where, like, no, once spring hits, no because I'm going to be in different situations and I'm going to be on a different echelon of fish and I'm not risking that whatsoever. So if you're running a floating line and you want your fish to run 8, 12 inches under the water, how much, how well, you long you realistically can get away with a three-foot buck section and, okay. and, and uh, a, um, just your wire, and a river pig will do that just fine. Oh, absolutely. Or you can throw the heavier swivel in there and go to a fluorocarbon, and you're going to be able to get a riverhead Buford and do that with it too. So, I mean, you're going to be able to get a couple different options with just a floating line. An intermediate's going to definitely broaden out a lot more for you. That's a great starting line. It's universal. can be used for anything. And a lot of people starting off are going to be walking waiting. So the intermediate and the floating lines are great for rivers because it just keeps you up. You're not getting buried down at your feet. If you do need to go deep, that's where like the triple densities are a great starting line because they just they, they sink at a different level. So you're able to keep that other end of the line closer to you, up out of the junk and you know in front mm-hmm. of you. So there's a, there are a couple good options for kind of getting your feet wet, but you definitely want to start off with a ten weight minimum. And, but if you've got a floating, you can run it. Run it absolutely. I mean, but I'm if run, you, you run do all the time. But if you don't, you would reckon interme- recommend an intermediate line. An intermediate is a great starter. Line. Yep. Or if you're going to go with a sinking, I would probably lean in the line of an S four 
that kind of really gets mm-hmm. you without going too, too much. If you're starting off in fast rivers with a lot of current, then I mean, obviously I'm not speaking to that. You, you've got to kind of work accordingly and you may need a lot more to do that. But a lot of what we see and a lot of what you're going to see in a lot of these Midwest rivers, you're going to get away with floating intermediate to sing four for damn near everything. Okay. That's a good way to get started. Yep. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you my progression. You know, I started musky fishing three years ago. And I started fishing with my Sage XI2 10 weight, which was a great rod. I, I loved it. I've caught, I don't know, thousand stripers on it. Uh, but it, the, the tip was too soft to, to properly well, do it. It wasn't meant for the big flies either. E- exactly. You're right. You know, I was only throwing clousers and deceivers on it and some raised flies. Uh, and, then, and then I moved to one of Tommy's uh, four piece 10 weights. Which was a night and day difference, which was fantastic. I love that. I still love that rod. But then uh, I started fishing with Mark. He introduced me to the two-piece, and then Tommy came out with the two-piece 10-weight. Changed my life. That rod between the the two-piece and the four-piece, the four-piece is a very good rod. Don't, don't, Don't get me wrong. But if you don't need to travel with it in a suitcase... Buy the two-piece. Yeah, two and if you don't need to ever out. take it out of your boat, buy the one-piece. Buy the one-piece. Yeah. You're going to pay for the shipping, uh, but it's they're great rods. Now, just this year, I bought my first 12-weight. And again, complete game changer. It's You throw doubles like they're singles. I'm Th- taking your lead, too. I'm going cork handle. Talking to the mic. Cork handle on here. I'm going to take your lead on the 12-weight. Yeah. yeah. You and know what? Them wind grips are so nice, and they are anti-fatigue, and I like them for most part of the year until the winter comes, and it feels like you're holding a dead person's hand. Yeah, and then when it rains, uh, and I know Bowen has had loves that wind grip, and he says even in the rain, but for me, I, slick. I like that cork. I like, I like the grip of the cork, but if you're just getting started musky fishing, do not buy a 12 weight. You're not ready. Until you have your cast down, until you know the timing of these big heavy lines with big heavy flies, I don't think you're ready for a 12 weight because you're going to cheat. You're going to throw singles on it. You're going to ruin your cast. You're going to ruin your stroke. Start with a 10, get good on a 10, and then upgrade to the 12. And then use your 10, like I use my 10 still for singles. For singles, for single minnows, uh, when I'm throwing small game changers or something, I'll still throw my 10. But if I'm throwing doubles or those wedge heads or anything with some mass to it, especially a glider, I wouldn't throw a glider on a 10. You know, I'm glad you said that too because you can definitely shortcut things that we've learned along the way. And you can go into certain situations and you can just say, hey, all you got to do is water load. And it's going to work. It sure is. But at the end of the day, I think that you should – while you're doing this, learn every progression along the way. Mm-hmm. Because as you go into each difference, every every float in a part of a river is going to give you a different scenario. There's times you can go into a float and you can two-hand aerialize cast half of it. But then you get up underneath trees and you need to come down to your side. And then there's other places where you're going to be in a big pool and you want to chuck heavy flies. And you can just water load or do whatever. But if you learn all of them progressions along the way, it makes you a better angler going into each situation and knowing how to present that fly where that fish is going to be. Agreed. And if you're walking waiting, you can't water load. Like, you have to know how to cast if you're fishing from a bank, oh, 100%. If, if you're waiting. And and my advice is, you know, if you're not the best caster, if you need help casting, uh, Orvis is not a sponsor, but go on to the Orvis yeah. site and look Pete up stuff. Pete, Pete Kutzer. He's sure. a phenomenal teacher. 
Uh, I fished with him. For, I mean, he's an amazing caster. I thought Bam Bam was a good caster, but Pete Kutzer, I mean, he, he's the best caster other than Lefty that I've ever been around. And he's, he's just amazing. So watch his videos. He'll help you out. He'll help you figure your tweaks out and learn how to double haul, learn how to cast, and then upgrade to the 12. Because you want those skills before you start throwing that cannon around. I'm laughing because I remember the day I showed up with you and I pulled up to the one spot and I made that cast. And you're just like, I've been trying for four days to put that yeah, flyer. I've been trying for four days to put that flyer over there. It's wonderful though. After you, uh, you know, if you fish with a 12 weight for a long time, like I did, and fish and fish and fish with a 12 weight, and, fi- and I mean, you go to seven weight, boy, it feels like you're just casting nothing. <laughs> you can just send that motherfucker. You're like, oh, wow, this is great. This is wonderful. I love this. You know, it, it was actually it was it was great to to hear your take on that because like me being you know new to the fly fishing world and you know getting into muskies and everything. Like put your that. nose on it like I do. You want me to put my nose right? Yeah, on it? I love that. Right. I like that a lot better. So, you know. Back to what you were saying, you know, progressing through it. I mean, I, I started off, you know, with an 11 weight, and then I went back to a 10 weight for a little bit and, you know, got used to, you know, fishing singles and, you know, starting to get into, like, the medium-sized flies. We gotta put and then you get into a 12 weight. That's actually, I mean, that's my next build. You know, I, I yeah. feel like that's the next step I need. They that's need the last them. tool in the toolbox that I need, though, is that 12 weight. And, it's and again, it's a tool. Mm-hmm. It's not the end all be all because no. when I want that, when I want that feel, when I want that finesse of throwing a single underneath trees, and I want that ten weight. Look I, at how much. How, look how much time that um, what's it called? M one four spends riding around in the hopper on mine. Yeah, and then when absolutely. it's needed, perfect. That you have to. That rod just fits that void to perfect a tee, tool. But it rides around there eighty percent of the time in a rack. Yeah, but we hit a, a tangent there. So ten weight, twelve weight. We talked about lines. That's what makes this podcast good. Yeah, it's so good. I, I edited our our description to spell everything right and put capital letters in at the beginning of sentences. Nice. But good I kept you. the part at the end that says, and we tend to go off the rails. <laughs> we're far enough in. Oh, and we're, to yeah. start screaming about stuff? No, yet. I mean, yeah. no. I'm just saying we're far enough in. We're oh, kinda, there we're you go, Burrow. Yeah, if, if people Sorry. are still listening, what's the hardest part understand. about 10 car fishing? No, no, we're not getting into that, Mark. But, 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 but we're gonna, we're gonna. Okay, I, I don't know if our whole airing of grievances got uh, discarded last week. So we're gonna do. Yeah, it we're, did. We're gonna, it did. we're gonna do. Okay, half, half of it did. But the other thing that's important do, to know, and we touched on just real briefly, is okay. leader setup. Uh, yeah, you're gonna. You can go online and you can Google musky leader, or you can just and, listen to this podcast. And you're going to get 10,000 recommendations. You're going to get, use the clear swivels, use no swivels, use a 75-pound swivel, use a 30-pound swivel, use mono, use fluoro, use wire, use 60-pound mono. Use what you feel comfortable with, but... Go up from there. Yeah, don't be dumb about it. Like, me personally, I run... Oh, Jesus. 40-pound fluoro. To a 75-pound Spro's swivel. What the fuck happened there? To 40-pound wire. Sack. And then I use, a, and then I use a, a clip to my fly. Now, Mark generally doesn't use a swivel, and he, he he's not using wire right now. I do. He's using I, I haven't used. I, I used a swivel the last three months of last yeah. year. And you use mono. 
I don't use I do mono use because mono. I don't like the stretch. I want now, the stretch because I torque the living absolute hell out of fish. Yeah, Mark Mark strip sets like that kid stole his and bike. And I don't quit until they're in the net. Yeah. Like, I try to land fish in under five seconds, period. Yeah. And I now, just, fluoro, yeah, it's, mm. you don't get along. And I I recognize that fluoro is easier to nick, so I'm always checking mine. But I prefer fluoro. Mark prefers mono. I fish mono on my floating line when I'm stripping poppers, but that's it. So fish what you feel comfortable with, but make sure that, you know, you're fishing at least 40 pounds, something. At least 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't have to use a swivel. You don't have to use a. Yeah, 40 pound gets you. I mean, that's a, a good turnover to your. Yeah, especially. Exactly. And then yeah, wire wise, I mean, make, when you're going down to your wire, I. Rio makes a good 40. AFW makes a phenomenal. That's the, what I use. The AFW seven nylon coated 7x7 seven seven is just 40 pound. And if you're really going into the big, big stuff, they're 65. I like that when I'm two-handed and throwing, like, big flies. But the 40 pounds always been sufficient. I've never had a fish bite through 40 or bite off or have any issue with it at this point that I can. But the important message is, unless you're fishing gin clear water in the middle of summer, these fish are not leader shy. No. Oh, hell no. Fish the right length Mm -hmm. for what you want it to do. You know, so if if you're fishing a sinking line, keep it shorter. If you're fishing a floating line, keep it longer. That's it. They're not leader shy. And again, SVS tells you, have a good time when you go down that rabbit hole. Exactly Make sure right. you treat the, the fish the right way. 100%. Mm-hmm. Every time of fishing. That's all it is. Of, yeah. Just, just, I don't give a shit what you're doing. As long as you just treat the fish yeah. the right way at the end of the day. Respect yeah. your baby. Yep. Yeah, respect Whether it's harvest. on gear, whether it's you know fly, whatever it be. Just you know, treat the fish the right way. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Okay, Mark, go ahead. Hold on, hold on. We're going to do our airing of grievances. Mm. I got a lot of problems with you people. And now I'm going to tell you about them. <laughs> I get asked, why don't you post as much on Facebook as you do as Instagram? And here is why. When I post a lot on it on Facebook, I get bombarded with messages. And I do on Instagram Mark loves, as well. Mark loves messages and Mark loves people. No, 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 no. I'm okay with any with that. <laughs> with us. What I'm talking about is I get bombarded with messages on, by my on. flies. By this. From, you get messages from Kenya to buy flies. You get all the messages from... Um, Pakistan to buy the scissors and all the materials. You get all the messages from Indonesia to buy the shirts. And the more you post, the more you get. Well, Instagram filters them into the side where it's request, and then you go and you delete them. Facebook makes you respond to them. And if it doesn't, it then hits me, and then it says that I don't respond actively or I respond in a long period of time and what have you. So when I get a message that says, will you buy my flies, please respond, thank you. Am I going to take the time out of my day rather than getting a message that said, hey, Mark, my name is so-and-so. I went through your website and saw this. Then at least I would give you the time of the day to respond. No, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to stop tying and doing what I'm doing to respond to a stupid message to buy your flies when you have no business messaging me whatsoever. It's spam. You know I do. It's spam. You're soliciting me because then as soon as I respond, Jesus then they start Christ. coming right back. Will you please do this? Will you please do that? So... No, you don't. You, if you looked and took any time, you'd saw I don't sell anybody else's flies. Two, you can't tie what I'm doing there. You don't have the materials to do that. So no, why are you reaching out to me? Why are you taking the time out to do that? Why is it getting dinged on my messaging saying that I don't do it? So all of them, that is why that I don't post on Facebook as much as I do. Because I don't have to deal with that crap on Instagram. And yeah, I'm losing out on some people. 
Through that, I'm building a new website where I'm going to be able to go into daily and put up like a blog type deal. And I can direct and you know show up fish and show flies or what have you. So I'll be able to then hit them people that I'm missing on Facebook. But moving forward, I'm probably not going to post on Facebook anymore because of that. It's ridiculous. It's uncalled for. It shouldn't happen. And it's not like it's one or two. I'm talking some days you'll get in a neighborhood of eight, ten messages. That sucks. It's substantial. And you want me to stop what I'm doing to respond to them and then wait for them to respond back because then I've got to respond again because it's all timed on there? Screw off. No. It's not worth my time. I'm not doing that. And that's absolutely uncalled for. So that's why. There's my airing of grievance. Well, so the moral of the story is if you're interested in talking to Mark Burns or hearing what Mark Burns has to say, come to the SVS Fly Fishing Podcast Facebook group where Mark will talk with all of us, start conversations, and chime in. Last week, we started it. Uh, yeah, it, we're going to get into that first? Yeah, let's go right to it. Since yeah, all right, sounds perfect. Uh, started it last week. Had a, had a really, really good first week showing. Mm-hmm. Uh, got some good conversations going, some good, some good topics. Uh, happy to see some real good friends of the show. You know, it's funny when you get to see all the friends of the show, like just chiming in with each other. Yeah, it's and and some man, some man. I didn't think that some of the people that listen to our podcast actually listen to our podcast. Like, man, whoo, man, it made me feel a little bit like, uh, wow. I thank think, thank you for listening, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening. I think that's a shout out to uh, Tim. It was. <laughs> it was. And I'm like, oh, man. Oh, man. All right, Tim. Thanks, Tim. I got to be honest. Yeah. I, I signed on. I was like, oh, holy shit. Why does that guy listen? Yeah, thank does you. Thank you so much. Do? No, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, no, I really, we, no, we really appreciate it. Yeah, love to see all you all guys, you guys man, there. Everybody up there. Oh, get it, fellas. Oh, my God. They did. They did. Oh, that's the that's the turnover they needed. I'm so sorry. I'm watching the game. Mahomes literally just. He, Mahomes just balls, shit the ball. Yeah, shit hand. the pants. The no, that's the this Bengal fucking ball. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm freaking out. Are they going to call that? Well, we can, went we, off the deep end. We can hardly tell. Tiger back <laughs> in the cage, right? Okay, okay. I lost it. I lost it. We're back to We were talking about good stuff, too. Here. So back to that. If, uh, if you're a friend of the show, if you like the show, get on the Facebook group. We'd love to have you. We'd love to talk to you. And if you are on the Facebook group or you're going to get on and you want to hear from somebody, if you want to give us some feedback, if you want to say, I'm sick of hearing from that fat fucker, Chris Sims. Yeah, let Jason talk a little more. Tell us. Yeah, absolutely. Jeez. We, we want your feedback. We want your comments. We want your guests' uh, requests. Uh, if you want more airing of grievances uh, from Mark Burns, uh, <laughs> the man's got grievances. <laughs> he has all the airing <laughs> grievances in the world. That's why I thought it would be a great... Great I'll, addition. Well, I like, would love like to do it. He's like you're like a grizzly bear. It just sits in your basement, grumpy. But Chris is more like the grizzly bear. So it, it was yeah. Was speaking, I have to be like it was funny. I, 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 I feel like a grumpy adolescent koala compared to you. That was my nickname in college, uh, bear, and that was in the early 2000s. And then later on, how'd that work out for you? Later <laughs> on, <laughs> were you like a raw bear, or like a picnic? Explain how these bear? like how the, a picnic basket explain bear. Explain about. Grizzly era bearded so-called bears. Yeah, so I didn't know that that had a different connotation until I went to Provincetown, Massachusetts. And because uh, we were there fly fishing, and we're like, hey, let's go up to P-Town and get some lobsters. And 
have a couple of drinks and I'm up there and I introduce myself because at that time, everybody knew me as Bear and I introduced myself to everybody in P-Town as Bear. I didn't pay for a drink all fucking day and I didn't know why. <laughs> everybody just kept buying me drinks. I had a similar situation when I was younger. And then my yeah. girlfriend came in, my, my wife at the time, and the bartender's like, that's your girlfriend, huh? I'm like, oh yeah. And he's like, come here. So he takes me over to the side and he's like, do you know what bear means? And I was like, yeah, it's a fucking woodland animal. It scratches his back <laughs> on trees. It looks eats, like kind of like me. Yeah, eats berries and is very hairy. And he's like, yeah, but do you know what that means here? <laughs> I went, no, I don't. So he enlightened me that a bear is exactly my physical description. Tall. And beautiful. Burly, hairy, but loves men. Oh. Yeah. Which oh. I am everything but the loving man part. And I don't care if you love men. If you love men, great. I don't. So I had to ex <laughs> I had to explain myself to a bar full of people that they're standing there going, Come on, money back for your beer. <laughs> yeah, I just you tried, I just bought you like a half a bottle of bourbon, yeah. you son of a bitch. Like, I was trying to get you drunk. This is my girlfriend. <laughs> I was misinformed. My nickname was Bear. I am not a bear. And then I had to backtrack for the rest of my life. I'm just a big, that, cuddly, fat guy. That that nickname, which... Uh, that was probably a very awkward evening. It it wasn't, though, because everybody was so fucking nice. Even once they learned, like, hey, that guy likes women. Still, super nice. Buying, buying Claire, my girlfriend at the time, drinks, my wife now. It was... It's awesome. P-Town is one of the friendliest places in Cape Cod. <laughs> the toggle switch has slowed down, but other than that, it was better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't get any more free drinks. Claire did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm, yeah. So, uh, but you are a sexy the sexy bear over there. I'll tell you that. Well, thank you very much. I mean, I didn't like men till <laughs> Until now. Just right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I'm cute. That's why I've never been in prison. <laughs> Um, I believe we'd call you a twink. Yes, yeah, and, 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 and I'm sure as hell not. That's why I've never been in any kind of trouble in my whole life. I, uh, I knew if I was going, I was not going to be on the right side of being somebody's bitch. Um, so hey, let's mention the. Let's go back a little bit to the online t uh, fly tying night that we had with the uh, musky fool fellas. I really enjoyed that. I sat here and took notes. And got a little bit of ideas on things I should talk about. And uh, how many uh, notes did you take? Because I don't remember anything. It <laughs> <laughs> was funny. I, 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 was, I was I wasn't too drunk. I mean, I uh, we, wait. We had work the next day, right? <laughs> yes, Thursday. Yeah, got a little got a little late. But I messaged I mean, Bam and I was like, "Hey, we need to do one virtual time nights again." He's like, "How's the night sound?" I was like, "Cool." He's like, "All right, round up some guys." Okay. okay. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> Worked yeah. out good. Yeah, no, we had a little group. Yeah, we had a bunch of good guys. We had a. If I want to go through it, um, what the hell is Gabe's last name? Park. 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 Gabe Park. Okay. Because on the uh, on the Zoom call, it said Gabe's iPhone, so I was just going to introduce <laughs> him as Gabe's iPhone. But you know, I figured you guys might know. Uh, no, it was awesome. We had Jake Fields on there, Josh Meltzer, uh, Chris Sims, uh, Jake, not his iPhone, but Jake Park. Uh, Aaron, Gabe. Ellen, Aaron, Gabe. Gabe, sorry, Jake Fields. Yeah, I already had Jake Fields. Uh, Aaron Elling, Ellingson, 
uh, and he was a really good guy. I, I uh, just he hit me up on the old Instagram, and uh, you know got to know him through social media a little bit more now after today. Uh, seems like a wonderful person. Uh, we had our guy Derek Smith, Mark from Urban Fly Company was there, and uh, old Jay just taking notes. Uh, but no, I was fun. You didn't tie at all, did you? No, no, I don't tie flies. What am I going to tie a fly for, Mark? I have a bunch of musky flies out there. I don't yeah. even use. Thanks to Philadelphia, you don't have well. to worry about any more changes. Holy hell, let's go chase. Um, no, that was. I had a really good time that night. Just, just the atmosphere of everybody there. It felt a lot like the like what we're doing right here, you know. And it was, it was so much fun, and it was so awesome. Those guys are tying tons, just boatloads of bucktail in the flies. And Mark, you better start helping me out here instead of laughing and being a doucher over here. <laughs> He's showing me a picture. He's a meme lord. Oh, well, that yeah, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. He's a meme lord. Yeah, that's that's not good. Um, but no, I I really I really liked. I we need to do that more often with more crews. Uh, would you sit down here and start talking to me? Because I have nobody to talk to. Mark is sending out memes and uh, talking sorry. like an asshole. I had to pee. I'm sorry. No, the the uh, fly tying night the other night. I thought, I, like I said, I, I, you I got I, over there now. You got this <laughs> massive mic stand. It's like three foot long. He just swivels back and forth. Yeah, I, I like don't, it a lot. I'm not going to lie. The angle from over here, it's, it's kind of funny to watch it. Here's the thing. It's I don't angles. like to fucking bend. As a fat person, we're not meant to... No, it's perfect for you. It's right in your face, and I like the way you sound with it because you don't have to bend. Yeah, right. I can be right here on the mic. I'm not going to Jim Franklin this thing and be three feet away from the exactly. mic. Exactly. He's chasing it. That's fair. <laughs> you know what? You're not wrong. That's <laughs> fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, I hold my here. mouth on this bitch. Yeah, I can tell. You know me. I don't. I, I want to be heard. <laughs> There's no danger of you not being heard. <laughs> hey, one of us has to be, so... Yeah, it was it was a great time. I enjoyed that that night uh, too much. Yeah, uh, like I literally remember like twenty minutes of it. I remember talking to Gabe. About yeah, some hooks. Gabe's iPhone. Yeah, but uh, I was I was on that call with them till like midnight. Oh Jesus! Like eleven forty-five midnight. Uh, it was like ten thirty, ten forty-five. I was like, guys, I made my first thread wrap at six thirty this morning. I gotta go to bed. Yeah, I was on there for too long. I. And I drinking that shitty Japanese whiskey. <laughs> but that was the problem. It's free. <laughs> no, but it was good times. And we talked, I mean, we talked fly fishing. We talked musky. We talked smallmouth. Uh, I'm, I, I want to do some upgrades to my boat for rod storage. So I've got a 20-foot uh, G3 CCJ center console. And I can fit fly rods in the rod lockers but the problem is i gotta break them down in half and even then like the ferrules like you've you've seen it mark like your guides and your guides uh, hit that that plastic entrance spot so i have to do one of two things yeah it would go up a little gauge size on them as well too yeah i can either blow them out make them wider or i can cut the back off of them and put rod holders on the side the other thing I thought about was uh, just putting a magnet in there and a piece of PVC. And so right now we I just... I know you don't like it, but you know what I'm going to tell you. 
those stand-up roles. Yeah, because it really, you know what? I was, I was the same way. Stupid. I was so, I, I hated them. I hate it, my man. And I do too. And I still Stupid. don't. I still don't like them, but they do work in your boat very, I very got well. I mind, man. And, and I, that's the one thing I will say is they do work really good. They're not in the way because you're not casting over that. No, no, you're not. So they're not in the way at all. And I was, I always thought they were until they I used on, on his boat and. They were. They do. They're they're effective, and for what you're gonna do, it's gonna cost next to nothing. I don't like. Yeah. You're not gonna have to jack. With think your it's boat. stupid. It yeah. is. Are you it. just throwing the pot, Trey? No, he has no. <laughs> right. like, yeah, I have to do something here. I, I'm, I'm the host. I of just throw them on the I'm side. I'm the host of the fucking show. And if you two argue about it a little bit, yeah. Hey, you know what makes the best shows? A little bit of debate. Fist fighting? No. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm losing that Not one. Not that one. I don't think we're going to fist fight. Yeah. I feel real good if it comes Well, Chad and I weren't going to fist fight that night. But I we thought will, you did. We, no, we will argue like we're going to and <laughs> tell each other they could go fuck each other to our face. But, you know, you know, we're brothers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so maybe I'll put one in and give it a whirl and see if I don't hate it. But... Because it beats up, it beats you, cutting up my boat. You want to bring your Those. rod over and just throw it in mine? Your boat's you too, way too nice to cut up. Oh, phrasing, are we still are we still doing that, Jim? No. <laughs> 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 yeah, I want to see you race through the. Uh, I want to see you race through the uh, the 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 thing there at uh, the old OC. I've been OC. up that. Oh, mean? I know. He needs. I want to. Yeah, do race through that. G- yeah, let's do that. Uh, yeah, Jim can't go up that. No, I don't think so. Not a snowball's chance in hell. No, there's a there's a three foot standing wave you know, at the Oil City Bridge. I'll ramp it. Let's send it. You can send it. Hell, send it. Mm. That thing's send terrifying. It. I don't, I don't know. Have What's you that? gone through Bro? it? No, he wants to. No, I'm saying is it is it's it's rowable? Oh yeah, you can row down through it. Absolutely, you can't row it's, up it. No, but obviously. I've taken my boat. Up it. No, but I've been talking to you about a place to practice a couple runs on. Oh, yeah. Can we get into that, out of it, and bring it that back thing, up around? That thing and go would be terrifying. Again? I wouldn't go there. So we could, we could put we in. We could go down the little stream just to get practice. No, we no, could. No, but no, you're right. I need, I need. We need whitewater experience. I need whitewater. I mean, I've, I need whitewater where I can crab crawl across white water that's where yeah, I'm, i need that's, house. that's I, a really I good spot fa- i don't have any water where i can actually crab call in fast water and that's kind of where i need to work but on. that's the only spot now until you go about three more miles down there's some other rapids but i mean they're not i mean I, I shouldn't even say crab calling i should just say shuffling in faster water i need to be able to work on that kind of slide there a little bit yeah i've taken a uh, a raft that was four pallets screwed together with six 55 gallon drums down over that, that. rapid how yeah. was that? Awesome. Did you make it out of it? <laughs> All but one of us did. We had, we had a dude just got ejected. And he was, <laughs> but he was hammered drunk. Like he was cuddling a, an oar. And uh, he was, I mean, he, he couldn't talk. He was that drunk. Okay. And he just fell off the side. So we, we got, we were, we're, running, we're running pretty long here. I want to get to some things that are very important before we talk about idiot drunk guys. Um, so you have an FT3 coming up in Franklin that I want to talk about because I think it's going to be an amazing event and I can't wait to be a part of it. Absolutely. I run a nonprofit in the city of Franklin, Pennsylvania 
called Franklin Moving Forward. And uh, our very first official fundraiser is we are sponsoring the Fly Fishing Film Tour on April 22nd. So in, in recognition of this, we have a local brewery, Trails to Ales. They are going to shut down their production facility, which is also a, uh, a venue. So they're going to shut down their production facility for the day for us. We're going to shut down the street in front of it. We're going to have casting instructions. We're going to have casting demos. We're going to have tying demos. We're going to have some vendors there. We're going to have uh, a food truck there for food. The brewery Trails to Ales 2 is going to brew us a special beer for the day with our own emblem for that day. And then who's who's our uh, Franklin moving forward in the fly fishing film film tour. Fuck yeah! I'm also sponsored by the SVS Fly Fishing Podcast. I'll be there tying too, so you can obviously be able to watch. But I'm going to sell some flies as well to bring. So awesome! Twenty five percent of all them proceeds will go right back into being donated back. Thanks for brother. you guys. Appreciate it. So, Hell yeah. yeah! Come buy some flies there, and we'll get donated back into the nonprofit and kind of help the community there. And that's kind of what this is for: is bringing. It's not for musky. This no, is for everybody. It's, yeah, it's for everybody. If you want to learn and get into the sport, this is where you want to come. This is for everybody. This is where people can get acclimated and kind of learn some things. And if you're just getting into it and want to ask questions, Cortland's supposed to be there. We're talking with them. We're hoping that's going to work out. So you're going to have some options there for line. Hopefully we can get some guys down there too with rods and reels. And you can actually just you can get hopefully get started right there. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're going to have a lot of professionals. And then in the, in the evening – we're going to have the actual fly fishing film tour. We're going to go watch the tour. There's going to be a bunch of raffles, giveaways. I've got a bunch of sponsors that are donating gift cards and Yeti stuff and all sorts of awesome things. And then afterwards, the after party is back at the brewery. They're going to have more food. They're going to have beer. They're going to have some mixed drinks. It's really going to be an awesome time. What time are you anticipating all of this to kind of get rolling at? I think we're going to start it like right around one or two and then film it. Six, seven? Film at like five. So that way we, we have... We can do a, the after party. We can have the after party. Yeah, and then, you know, I like, I like I think the, the film, film to be a little earlier because then the kids yeah, at five. Yep. If you have a guy that yeah. wants to bring his son there, that wants to exactly. get him into at five, you know, you go in... You know, you don't have to go to the after party. Exactly. It's done at 7, 30, you know, you 8 o'clock. Yes, exactly. And if you, you want to see how we do it. You can be home and, you know, at a decent yeah. time with your and bring your kid. And I think that's a big thing. Like, my my even my cousin, it was funny. I was just at a family party, and he goes, hey, are you guys going to have, like, man, I remember when Chad had it at his house? Yeah. yeah. He went over there with my yeah. uh, Uncle Frank's son. That was that COVID year where yeah. they sold it, and you can buy yes. it and then display and it, you know, it yes. anywhere. Yes. It didn't have so, to be in yeah. a setup. Chad did exactly. it there, and we all had we our friends it. all come over and. It was a it good was a time. good time, yeah. And uh, but he he went and he was like, "Man, you got are you guys having that again?" And I'm like, "No, yes." And we're gonna have it in Franklin. It's gonna be awesome this time. And I'm like, yeah. "You gotta come with your dad, and it's gonna be really cool." And he's like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna go." And like he even him like he he doesn't really fly fish, but he thought that just the film tour, just the even just the films themselves are well really well put together. You know what we need to you do? You know and. Like yeah, he enjoyed it even in himself just just to watch the films and to see what the people are doing. We need awesome. to do it right. Agreed. You know what I'm thinking? We get up there. I mean, you can come if you want. About eight in the morning. No, oh, jeez, we should. We cook, should cook breakfast yeah. on a tailgate. Yeah, and then go in and just. 
do it up Absolutely. like we would do like a like, a, like, just, a float. like we do anything yeah. let's cook breakfast then we'll go and set up we'll jack around for a couple hours tie some flies have fun but get there do our thing cook some breakfast right out there in the parking lot in the tailgate i'm into mm, it heck yeah and so the theater has a capacity of 500 beautiful and if we exceed that which i would love to do the fire marshal won't kill us fire marshal won't kill us and we will show it at the brewery afterwards so if you buy a ticket and you can't make it for that five o'clock show, you can come to the brewery afterwards and it will be on repeat at the brewery while during the after party. So if you missed something, if you weren't paying attention, if you couldn't be there, we're going to, we're going to have that showing. This is one worth coming and seeing too. Yeah. It's a good one. I've been fortunate enough. I've got to see us see it already. And it's, it's a good show this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for it. I'm really excited for the, for the nonprofit that I run, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, Franklin, Pennsylvania used to be a huge manufacturing town. I mean, we used to have Honeywell. We used to have Joy Manufacturing, Conair, all these manufacturing towns. They've all left. They've all moved to Mexico, China, Australia. So our town is slowly becoming a tourist town, and we need the infrastructure to do that. So my nonprofit is to do that without the bureaucracy of asking the county for money or the state for money or the city for money, just doing it. Like our number one project is <coughs> fixing our boat ramp, putting restrooms there, putting showers there, getting more parking, you know, more signage. Uh, one, one of the big things is we've got huge bike trails through the area, putting signage on those bike trails for here's where the boat ramp is, here's where town is, you know, just just making our town more tourism friendly because – I mean, Franklin has a lot of really, really, really good fishing, well, really good biking, let's be really honest. good waters. We spoke about this recently, and one thing that our job, our state is good at is putting a lot of fish out there. One thing our state is not good at is promoting how good of a fishery we have. Absolutely. They are definitely quantity over quality. A lot of us have found a way to find the qual- quality in it, but there's a lot of them. There's quantity of, of everywhere. But we're not a tourist attraction when it comes to fishing. And, I mean, we've got phenomenal fishing for dang near anything you can think of. Absolutely. I mean, we can really go across the spectrum in freshwater fishing in the States, and we have it around here somewhere, minus maybe sturgeon. So it's it'd be nice to spread some more limelight on the fishery. And, you know, and that's one there that we can really just – it's the Allegheny. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And that's a, that's a great river. It's a beautiful river. It's one of the you know premier rivers of our area. And that's it's a great fishing destination. Yep. So and to be able to bring people into fish there and stay and spend money in a local economy is great. Yeah, and if you guys, if anybody can come, it's April twenty second uh, in the city of Franklin. It's it's going to be awesome, regardless of how many people are there. We're all going to be there. Uh, maybe we'll figure out a way to record a segment or two while we're there. We can do remote recording. You know, who knows? But it's going to be that awesome should be time. maybe be one of them days if we can figure it out. We'll do a little here, a little there, like start in the morning with breakfast and do a little bit as the day's kind of rolling, what's going on. And even if there's only like two or three of us or what have you, you know, whoever's around that knows or have been on, we'll hop together and maybe put some new people on or something. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, it'll be awesome. It'd take a, a multiple man effort to get a podcast there, though. Yeah, it, but it would. Uh, you're going to hear about this every week until April 22nd. No, so. absolutely. We're going to talk a little bit about this. Uh, before we go, and <coughs> we're getting we're getting there. Um Mark's Mark's gonna be at the International Angler yeah. selling flies. Uh, let's 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 talk a little bit about that, and then we're gonna be getting on our way. I'm not gonna be selling any flies there. I'm just gonna be doing a presentation. 
Oh, presentations there. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So, yeah, time presentation. We won't talk about this anymore because it's on Saturday. So we got <laughs> six days, and I got to get a little PowerPoint together. So now, speaking of that. So I'm going to be doing pretty much bucktail. I'm going to do a bucktail deceiver for small A's. I'm going to do a white Buford, kind of go over what I've learned with bucktail, what's worked for me, why I tie the way that I do, because there's a specific way that I tie. It's worked the best for me. There's reasons why. So it's kind of be a good little, hopefully I've got a nice little turnout and, you know, handle bucktail all the time. So I'm going to bring some different types of tails, show you here's what I use, where, why, and explain kind of the differences in it and hopefully cut some of that learning curve down for you. But it's, uh, I think it's 20 bucks a seat. Yeah, so if you're local. And International Angler, Robinson, and Pittsburgh. Right off of 79. Is yeah. it? Uh, yeah, it's right off of 79. So if you're local, come on down, support Mark, support International Angler. It's a pretty good fly shop. It really is. And they Derek, carry, Derek goes down there a lot, and he, he loves it. Well, they carry big boy sizes, so I go down there too. Nice, <laughs> nice. Other than that, I have one other stupid story. If we if if we if we have enough time, I want we're it. We got plenty. Where are we even at? So, uh, oh, all two hours, two and a half two hours. Yeah, yeah, we're we're really we're, we're, good. we're running good. Great for one of our podcast. Um, we were uh, leaving that the other night. My cousin drives us up to the uh, tying nights. You know, so I have a, I have a designated driver. Last time we were, you know, all getting all fucked up at the tying night. You know, we were we were we were getting loose. We were talking about creating this podcast. To be honest, the three right. of us were really sitting in, reinvigorating. And we yeah. were really, we were dying, dialing in a lot of this stuff that we're gonna do now. And uh, I was, I got fucking hammered. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, that that was, I mean, uh, to call it short, I was, I was, I was tanked. And but I did have a driver. I wasn't driving home myself. My cousin wasn't all fucked up like I was. So. God bless me for having him. But he takes me to sheets. And my wife tells me, just like she told me when I go to the market to get her a sandwich, if you go to sheets, get what you need to get, you know, for dinner and buy me a burger and fries. So I come home. I didn't, you know, my, my, my sub doesn't even make it out of Mercer. <laughs> <laughs> just like my, uh, my sandwich doesn't make it out of, you know, where we fish. Uh, and I get home and I'm like, dude, I'm still all fucked up and really want this. You know what sounds great right now? <laughs> burger and fries. A fucking burger and fries. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I try to wake my wife up. You know, I, I give her a little shove, a little push. I'm like, hey, babe, hey, like real, like 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 real nice. Yeah. Like I, hey, wake up. Like I, like I, like I'd shove Chris <laughs> if I was asking him if he wanted a fucking burger and fries. <laughs> So, I'm eating this burger and fries, and my wife wakes up. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got, you know, I've got, I don't know, three quarters of this fucking burger down my throat. <laughs> you know, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm shoveling down, like, what is a handful of fucking fries at this point? You know, and I'm just laying it into my fucking throat. And she looks at me, and she's like, is that my burger and fries? And I'm like... I tried waking you up, <laughs> and oh boy, that was that was a sad two weeks for me. <laughs> two weeks. That was a sad two weeks for me. That was bad, sad two weeks. So, uh, speaking into the same aspect, we've been uh, we bought all the new. Uh, we 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 do some we we do some uh, 
some Nintendoing. We have the Switch. And we, my wife and I go back to our younger days when we were, like, in, in you know, living with multiple roommates and in big houses down on campus in Columbus. We always used to, you know, Mario Kart together and shit, yeah. all of us. So we are, both her and I are competitive at Mario Kart. So... Last night, we get into some fucking Mario Kart, and jeez, isn't it? Oh, well, are you going to keep winning, or or am I just going to be... Is it going to be... You know, Chad does uh, no drinking February or January, dry January. She's like, it's about to be no sex February for you <laughs> if you keep winning. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I can't quit winning. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I walked around the house today, and I said, huh? she goes... Oh, you're gonna be, you know, gonna be a nice fucking month for you, huh? I texted Chad. He goes, "Oh, hey, at least it's a short month." <laughs> That's right. And I'm like, "You are a glass, you are a glass half full kind of motherfucker." I love you, Chad. Oh, I love you, my my best buddy. We uh, Shane, who was on the podcast uh, just last uh-huh. week with the uh, and did all uh, this um, uh, smoking food talk. Uh, Chad, his son had a birthday party last night, so we were all there. Chad was there with his son and everything too, so. You know, that all came up, and it was just a good, you know, good fun humor. But, yeah, so it's going to be dry February for me. Poor fella. Yeah. Should be a fun few podcasts. Yeah. 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 I'll be very, Cranky. I'll be Cranky very, Jay. they'll be airing some fucking grievances. Yeah. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Every fucking week. <laughs> no, uh, we've had a great, uh, hey, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this podcast. Um it's been wonderful to do. Uh, it didn't shut off. We, d- I think we did a good job tonight. Uh, we'll find out. Hey, Mark. Who's this br- podcast brought to you by? Sam's Fishing. Yeti. Built for the Wild. A-Rex Hooks. And Cortland Lines. Friends of the show, Ryan Evans, Queen City Guiding. Michael Davis, Down to Earth Wealth Management. Thomas Shank, Chippewa River Custom Rods. And our buddies over at Muskie Fool. Special thank you to Josh Schmelzer, Bam Bam Fly Guy, for coming on. Hey, if you get a second and you love stickers, go check out his site, Bam Bam Fly Guy. He's got really, really sweet stickers. I mean, kick-ass stickers. Uh, One last thing. If you're listening to the podcast and you're on Facebook, please sign up for the Facebook group. If you've got at least five friends in the group, you don't have to answer the questions. If you don't, Answer the questions. They're not hard. Uh, but that way I know you're not somebody trying to sell me flies. A robot. And I got or a the, robot. The group and is I, the I, SVS, I got the, the SVS Fishing. The SVS Fly Fishing Podcast on Facebook. And I got the uh, SVS Instagram back up today. Awesome. And we will be promoting our upcoming shows. And we will also be showing any kind of uh, fish or anything that anybody's been doing in our group of buddies will be up there too awesome so if you catch some fish hit us with the uh hashtag svs fishing and uh we can see it and you can see it and we love you guys thank you so much this podcast is being recorded live in the urban fly company studios thank you so much for tuning in